0: The Power Trip Podcast is a proud member of the Kaiju Ramen Media Podcast Network. Hello, listeners with attitude. I'm Michael. And I'm Nathan. And you're listening to The Power Trip, a journey through the Power Rangers franchise.
1: In today's episode, we're discussing Power Rangers
0: in space. the same question that you asked me (laughs) from episode two and that is is this peak power rangers for you
1: as of right now currently on my power my own personal power trip yes Only one other season's come close. (laughs) Gotcha.
0: Okay. Uh, That's fair. Uh, That's fair. I I, I wanted to ask that question because I just, I remember uh, before we sat down to record, I remember you asking me that during season two um, (laughs) and I wanted to return the favor. So, so we're, this is the, this is seven episodes in. We're talking about the sixth season in the franchise. How are you doing so far?
1: Oh, it was worth slogging through Turbo to get to this.
0: Are you sure? Are <laughs> yes. you sure? Okay. Yes. I just want to make sh- I just want to make sure that it's been worth it to you. Because- <laughs>
1: uh, yes. And as I said at the end of the previous episode, this is going to be me at my most English majory. To which some people may say, "Why are you expending such academic energy on Power Rangers?" To which I say, "Why not?" <laughs> Why
0: not? Because we have talked like we've talked before there you can find things, you can find interesting things even in Power Rangers to talk about. But yes. we will, we will get into all of that. But Nathan, before we do, we actually have um some more podcast feedback to read. <gasps> oh no. We actually have another five-star review. Hot dang. On Apple Podcasts. And this one comes in from our friends at the Zio to Hero podcast. Uh, Ooh, the-
1: as of this recording, we're going to record with them later tonight.
0: No, yeah, we are. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun show. Those guys are great. Uh, they're a lot of fun to listen to. They're a hoot, as we would say around these parts. But because
1: uh... <laughs> you're from the south, I'm I reckon. To...
0: Well, they're from Texas, so they're, they're Texas. They know from they hey, know. I know a guy from Texas. Uh, his name was Rito. Oh God, don't bring uh, that voice is never going away.
1: Yep. <laughs> hey sis, how's it going? <laughs>
0: but our friends at the zero zero to hero podcast uh sent us a five-star review it is titled epic 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 podcast that's three yes triple epic tm michael and nathan have a fun podcast here for reviews of seasons you won't get bored of the rambling these two can do i always learn something i didn't know about a certain season can't wait for more to come. Well, thank you guys so, so much. We can't wait to be, we can't wait to join you later on this evening. But at the time of this recording, uh, that broadcast has already happened. So thank you again yes. for the review. And if you guys want to be cool, like these guys at the Zeo to Hero podcast, you can send us a five-star review on Apple podcast, and we will read it out on a future episode of the show. And we really appreciate it. So Nathan, we have a ton of ground to cover So, go ahead and take our listeners with attitude through the plot synopsis.
1: All righty. With the power chamber destroyed and Zordon captured by the United Alliance of Evil, the rangers set controls into outer space to rescue him. Instead, they meet the loner space ranger Andros, who gives the new morpher so they can search for their mentor. Meanwhile, the Princess of Darkness astronomer begins her rise to power at the behest of the demonic dark specter little does she know she has a close tie to andros revelations abound as villains plot against each other new allies are made and the millennium message is fulfilled let's rock it
0: so nathan this you said that this is hands down peak. this is this is peak power rangers for you Yes. And what's really interesting about in space is we just talked, we just did an episode on turbo where we talked about how the series took, um, an un took a really interesting turn and then tried to course correct about midway through. And then I think that, you know, it, it was all leading up to what we have here with power Rangers in space.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we wouldn't have gotten in space, if not for turbo and, and as pretentious as this might sound, I've, cause I've talked with some of my writer friends who s- will admit that they gravitate towards certain things because they feel like it's something that they could have written. And I feel like if, you know, if the, you know, me now was given, was put in charge of power Rangers and told, Hey, we screwed up. Can you fix it? Something like this would have come out mm-hmm. if I was in charge. Because I would have, because basically the filmmakers at Saban looked at, looked at Turbo and said, okay, do the opposite of everything. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This was a massive course correction. Some might even say it's a course correction that's coming a little bit late because this was intended to be the final season Mm -hmm. of Power Rangers. There's definitely a sense of finality in this. It's trying to tie up loose ends. And there's also a little bit of a sense of, this is the last season, go out with the biggest bang possible. Yeah,
0: yeah. No <laughs> and, and,
1: and, caution to the wind.
0: <laughs> and you know, there's, there is a ton here, like there is a ton of bang for your buck with this season. With this sixth season, with the with the this is the like I said, this is the sixth season of Power Rangers. Uh, this is the final season, what would be lovingly uh, known as later the as the Zordon era, because this kind this the whole plot one of the plot lines in in space is they are searching for their mentor. They're searching mm-hmm. for Zordon. Zordon has now been captured. Mm-hmm. Because we
1: found out about that in Chase into Space, because mm-hmm. that's why Demetria leaves. Is she says, "Oh, Zordon's been captured. I need to go do something about this."
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. So Zordon has now been captured by Dark Specter and his forces, and essentially, essentially, all the bad guys, uh, all the bad guys that we've seen up to this point. Are all in in space in some way, shape, or form. Now some most are most
1: of the most of them. Anyway. Most
0: of them, yeah. Now some of them are in more than others, like Rita and Zed and Diva Talks and some others have a bigger role to play. Um, but this I mean, is
1: what's what's really funny is that in the first episode they still credit Hillary Shepard Turner as the main villain. Like she gets a main cast credit for one episode.
0: Yeah, for which sure. I
1: think is, and Andros is not in the credits in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's for really sure. clever, actually. Yeah, but the the thing is, is in some ways, the fact that this season turned out as great as it is is kind of a miracle because they completely misunderstood what kind of a sentai they were getting. Oh my gosh. Because Mega Rager is not a space themed show. Uh,
0: no, it is a um it is a virtual reality slash video game themed show.
1: Yeah, but, but what happened was the guys at Saban got some early images from the from Mega Ranger and it looked like it was a space show. So like, oh, it's going to be a space show because you know, like they saw pictures of the Astro, what became the Astro Mega ship, and I was like, oh, it's a space show. Let's make a space opera. And then when they got more deals, I was like, oh, <laughs>
0: well, let's keep it a space show. It's fine. I
1: was like, it's- well, we already got started. So who the frick cares?
0: But <laughs> right. it's it's one of those. It's one of the, probably the best happy accidents that the franchise has gotten.
1: Yeah. And the other thing. I mean, we had shades of it. We talked about it before in previous episodes, but one of the things that they lean hard into with space, and I love it for doing this, is this is serialized TV. This is serialized TV for kids. You have to watch. There's There are a few episodes that are filler, but there's very little fat on this show. Yeah, you got to watch every episode, which is why when I was one of the things I like about watching the show on DVD compared to when I watched it on Netflix is they leave in the previously ons mm-hmm. and the episode previews. Right. Which actually I feel like is a fuller experience. So Honestly, people, you want to have you want you truly want to relive watching the show from as it was originally broadcast and intended by the DVDs. Physical yeah. media forever. anyway. And that actually came in handy while I was going through and rewatching the show because it would be like, Hey, here are the things that happened in the last couple of episodes that you should probably know about. And I'm like, Oh, thank you.
0: (laughs) Thank you for that reminder, Mr. DVD man, or Mr. Mr. (laughs) Mr. announcer man, (laughs) Mr. announcer man. Thank you.
1: Yes. This is very handy. Thank
0: you. (laughs) Right. Right.
1: So it's, And, and there's this, there's a very clear through line, you know, there's an ongoing story. There are character arcs, like everybody has a character arc in this and you see them progress. I I mentioned before that I like, I like the team we had in the second half of turbo, but for me, they really don't coalesce and become great characters until in space
0: most everyone i would say most everyone if not everyone has a meaningful story arc in in space which reinforces the idea that this feels like they are wrapping that they are trying to wrap up everything in a nice bow even bulk and skull have a really meaningful story arc i in- know
1: which we'll uh, we'll get into as we progress but like that's the thing. They made, they, it's like, I don't know how they did it. It's Jackie Marchand and all the rest of them who worked on this show, Judd Lynn and all of these people, like they are firing on all cylinders with this. And I dare say, I feel like the tone that this strikes, which is trying to be as not turbo as possible <laughs> is like, remember that turbo show? i uh, forget about that. And <laughs> here you go. And it's this massive shift, and I think for the better i I've heard that the ratings just once they went to in space, like the ratings just started skyrocketing back up because people are because the kids are like, "Oh, this is so much better now." <laughs> so they started watching again, and it saved the franchise There's no way to get around this in space saved the franchise. It would have stopped after this
0: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: and but it was so popular. I've heard some say it actually had better ratings than Mighty Morphin. I've heard some people say that it didn't quite get to Mighty Morphin numbers, but it bounced back really hard
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it For sure. it went on from there.
0: Yeah. 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 In, in Space is one of those... In Space is that, is that catch lightning in a bottle type season where... Because you, you know, like in a long running franchise there are moments where, where those franchises they go from, they go through peaks and valleys, you know, as they're, as they're trying new things out and just trying to reinvent themselves. And then maybe course correcting from something that they shouldn't have done prior. So, um, so in space does definitely feel like one of those lightning in a bottle moments where they're just experimenting out the, out the hoo-ha and it works. It works. They put more of an emphasis on storytelling and character arcs. And it, is, it does feel a lot more serialized and everything feels cohesive. It just, I, I don't know what else to say, except it just feels right. Like everything, mm-hmm. everything feels right in and the power Rangers and, and space.
1: And the weird thing is even the things that they carry over from turbo, mm-hmm. they figure out how to do them better. Like, Divatox shows up a few times in this. Right. And I honestly don't mind her a whole lot, like I did in Turbo, but I think it's because she's used a heck of a lot less. I can handle Divatox in small doses. I feel like that's the problem. Divatox was a villain who could have worked as just being a one-off villain, like, say, in the movie, or just an occasional nemesis. But making her the main villain just didn't really work, in my opinion. But now we have her in this and she's kind of, she's set up as basically something of a rival for our actual main villain. Oh, do I have opinions about her, but she pops up here and there. And when she does, it's fine because it's playing into the larger narrative. Mm -hmm. And because one of the things that we see a lot in this is the villains are all competing against each other in one form or another, they have their own agendas going.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And, you know, so it, it helps to enhance that. And, you know, but I, and I would say that about a lot of characters. There are a lot of characters. I think they're fine in small doses, but when you start giving them too much, I, you know, it's, I, I lose interest. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, my friend, Chris cook would say <laughs> you know, a little sentai goes a long way mm. <laughs> because we just covered super inframan on Henshin men. And he's just like, I can't handle 90 minutes of
0: this. <laughs> <laughs> so another another thing that gets carried over from per- Power Rangers Turbo, which is always which is kind of weird if you which is kind of weird, but another instance of where the character is treated better in in space than in Turbo is Elgar because Elgar joins the the astronomer ship the 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 Dark Fortress. Um, he's still yeah, and,
1: and he works in this. I mean, we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but mm-hmm. I, I will just say Elgar works in this as comic relief because everyone else is not comical Mm -hmm. that's how and they also don't overuse him they scale back on how much he's in the show so Mm -hmm. they use him just enough so that you can have the comic relief and he plays off of the other villains as opposed to everybody being goofy
0: Mm -hmm. exactly
1: so like i said it's taking a lot of stuff from turbo and making it work but you know like i said we're jumping ahead of ourselves a little bit we are let's you know let's uh go down the list here so the theme song
0: said <laughs> controls to outer space now you know it's not the most um I will say it's it it's not my favorite theme it this is one of those things where we talked about in turbo we talked about in turbo where the theme is better than maybe the series deserves I personally Think that Power Rangers in Space deserved a better theme song? Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I
1: mean, I, maybe it's because I was hearing it so much preparing for the podcast, but I started to like it more than I did before. When normally I probably would have said it's good, but I wouldn't. This is something I do want to make sure I say here: I am not going to be one of those people who says everything in the in a whatever I, whatever I think is the best. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say everything it does is the best. You don't have to have you don't have to have the best everything in order to no. be the best overall. No. But you have to have you have to at least have good. Everything at least has to be good. Maybe not no. the best, but at least good. The theme song
0: the there. theme song is good. The theme song is good. You heard a little portion of it at the beginning of this episode when uh, when our, in our intro, but the the theme song is good. It's just I don't know. It, it's not one of those that's super like memorable to me it's not one that like sticks in my head as i'm working at my desk and i'm humming it like i'm humming things like uh the zeo the zeo theme or even the turbo theme or um what is it a time or the time force or the time force theme song yeah like those get stuck in my head in space it's although good it's not my favorite
1: yeah now what's interesting this is a little fact I picked up from the Ranger wiki. So if, uh, for, if anyone wants to get all music nerdy about this, it's maybe part of that is because it's composed in a different key. All the other ones before this were an E minor. This one is an A minor.
0: Uh-huh. Interesting. Okay. I mean, oh, you're, that I know, you're, I, know that. I know your mom was a music major, correct? She's a singer. She's so a singer. So you you yeah. have a and little my bit si- of the background. And my
1: sister is a musician.
0: Okay. So you have a little bit of working knowledge of how that yeah. of OK,
1: yeah, I, I I know a little bit of music theory, but this is the last Wasserman theme that we're going to get for a while.
0: Mm-hmm, it is. Yeah, we won't get another Wasserman theme until I think what, SPD? SPD. Yeah, so that's that's a little bit sad because given given how similar uh, Lost Galaxy, Lightspeed Rescue and Time Force sound. I would have, I would have figured that Wasserman did the did yeah. those three as well, but he didn't. Yeah.
1: But I will say the thing that I like about the In Space theme is that <laughs> I love its moments of bombacity because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's unabashedly bombastic at points, uh, like when the it starts with a countdown, <laughs> like a shuttle launch. <laughs> And then when it gets to, uh, after one, it just, you know, it just loudly proclaims Rangers in space.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so
1: yeah. I I can't fault it for that. Exactly. <laughs> so, I, I love how it just, it just, it builds up to this big moment and let, uh, you know, and then just lets loose. So like I said, so, um, theme song is solid. Mm-hmm. I, I would probably say I probably put it at least in top 10.
0: I mean, Uh, for the whole franchise. It's top 10. It's just not top five for me.
1: But anyway, let's get to our characters. So our Rangers. So we got TJ, Cassie, Ashley and Carlos back. You'll notice power. Kenny's not here. Good. (sighs) Yeah, he gets replaced. Although, did you know that there actually was at one point they were thinking about having Justin go with them? And we wouldn't have had our new character.
0: I'm glad they didn't. I'm I'm glad they did I think
1: it's a good. I think that was a good call on their part. But like I said, this is where I feel like they really. This team really coalesces. Good lord, this season is the king of crossovers. So many crossovers. Oh boy.
0: (laughs) Calabunga, dude. Oh
1: god. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Do we want to talk about that now or save it?
0: I don't know. Did you have a better segue?
1: No. Anyway, so yes. <laughs> the Ninja Turtles show up, but it's a, it's weird. Okay. And
0: they show up fairly early too.
1: Yeah, they show up at the end of episode 3 and then they're the focus of episode 4. Like that's way too early. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's just we've barely had time to establish the Rangers now you're bringing in the Ninja Turtles. It's the weakest episode of In Space, but the best episode of The Next Mutation. Mm-hmm. Let that sink in.
0: i i actually just for just as you were talking there i looked up the show because i didn't watch this as a kid i i don't know why i didn't watch it i don't know why it didn't pass i don't know why this passed me by but it but it did i sent you uh i sent you an image and i want your live reaction of this dilapidated ninja turtle suit and how disturbing it looks I sent it to you. I, I oh God! You. <laughs> what the
1: frick? I've seen that before, and I'm horrified every time I see it. Oh God! <laughs> I, 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 oh my gosh! I'm I'm reeling my soul back in. Oh my! Just what? No, no, no! Kill it with fire! <laughs> I I, uh,
0: I applaud them for trying to do this. But like you said, it is the it is the worst episode of In Space, but by far the best episode yeah, of, yeah. of the Ninja Turtles live and, action And, it,
1: uh, and it's, it's really, the episode's really gimmicky. Mm-hmm. Not it much is. comes of it. Yeah. You watch it for, like I said, just for the amusement of it. The amusement and the fact and a that There's a, there's a half-decent, well, not half there's a decent fight scene at the end with the mm-hmm. two teams, which is cool. Sure. You know, but it's the Turtles fighting the ranger villains they're not fighting any of the turtles villains aren't there it would have been kind of interesting if it was a team up it i don't understand why the why the turtles don't think power rangers exist i'm like do you realize what universe you're in what are you you need to get out of the sewer more often guys but anyway talking sure. about our rangers
0: mm-hmm.
1: talking about our rangers like i said i really feel like they coalesce as a team in this they really feel like a real team yes they do here and they all get very nice spotlight episodes and they they're all giving meaningful things i mean it's it's to the point where this feels like a young adult show now they don't feel like high schoolers i i almost feel like they graduated high school off camera and just never talked about it because they spend a lot of time in a spaceship
0: or maybe they're wait hang on maybe they're getting their ged in the in the I uh,
1: that's a possibility I, you know, that would be interesting. But they're
0: early on and a little bit toward the
1: end they try to keep some of the vestiges of the previous seasons, you know, they don't have the juice bar. It's I think it's the surf spot and they don't have Ernie or Lieutenant Stone, but it's uh, there's a black lady who runs it and you know, they hang out there a little bit. We find out Andra uh, well, our new character Andros, which we'll talk we'll, we'll talk about him in a second. He has telekinetic powers that almost never come up again mm-hmm. when that probably would have been handy. But okay.
0: I think so. Yeah, I think so. You know, uh, and, and the, uh, the, the owner of the surf spot you're thinking of is Adele.
1: Adele. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I'll like, but ever. And the thing that's interesting is TJ is no longer the leader of the team and he wisely knows when to step down. Now there are points during the season where he's like, okay guys, I need to take a little bit of charge here, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so because he he was the team leader there for a while, but you know he he understands his place and everyone still respects him. Uh, Cassie yeah, has he still has priorities. He
0: still <laughs> has that. TJ still has that leadership. Uh, that leadership kind of that semi leadership role. He's he's definitely the second, if if not like the the lead. Andrews is definitely the leader. But TJ is more of a like a second-in-command, um, right hand man kind of person. Like, cause he TJ is the bridge between the Rangers and Andros. hmm hmm
1: And Cassie's got you know, different priorities in her life now. She's not trying to be a singer. She has some really outstanding. So a lot of them are the filler episodes, but as I'll explain as we go, the even the filler episodes play into the lo- what's going on in the larger narrative, but she has some really standout spotlight episodes. Like when she actually takes compassion on a monster who doesn't want to be evil. And oh,
0: you're talking about waspicable. waspicable. Yeah. 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 Waspicable. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah,
1: And you know, like, she's standing up for him and she, you know, she becomes the heart of the team. Mm-hmm. I feel like in this season, And, you know, she we really start to see just how caring she really is, Mm -hmm. which I think is really what you want in a pink ranger. I think that's that needs to go hand in hand with with a pink ranger. Ashley, uh, she gets to have a sort of relationship with Andres, And then Carlos, we see Carlos do things like get saddled with a little girl, which you would normally think would be a really annoying episode, but it ends up being really endearing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and uh, and oh, that really great episode when spoiler warning talking about crossovers, Adam comes back.
0: <laughs> oh yes, Adam. Yes, 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 yes.
1: Adam I'll comes love- back because Carlos accidentally hurts Cassie while they're mm-hmm. fighting a monster because this monster has the ability to make people to switch places with a target. Mm-hmm. So he waited for Carlos to do the. <laughs> the always ridiculous high jump attack that Rangers love to do. And he switched places with Cassie and Cassie got hurt and Carlos blamed himself for it. Wasn't sure he was worthy of being a Ranger. And then Adam shows up and says, Hey, let me help you out a little bit.
0: You know, there's a, uh, there's a lot of episodes that mimic the Sentai pretty close um, the Warner Yeah, Pons- w-
1: despite the major differences, I've the- seen a little bit of Mega Ranger, and I honestly thought, it was actually during Christmas, so I thought, I'll watch some Sentai Christmas episodes, so I was like, oh, let's do Mega Ranger. I'll probably be confused, but... I'll watch it because it's Christmas. Actually, I wasn't all
0: that confused. <laughs> no, because they do they do take some similar they do take some similar storylines and recontextualize them. Uh one of the more lighthearted ones that I'm thinking of is the episode with Ashley and her grandmother and yes. A uh, uh, grandma
1: I- matchmaker. <laughs>
0: Yes. Grandma matchmaker. And the whole concept behind that episode is, you know, Ashley's grandma wants her to find a boyfriend and she, and Ashley just wants grandma to get off her back. And so she says, Oh, look, Hey grandma, this is my boyfriend. And it's Andros, um, kind of giving the fans what they always wanted in the first place in a way. But,
1: but it ends with this really tense moment where Ashley almost blows her cover.
0: mm Hmm. mm Hmm. And um, what's funny about that is that is almost beat for beat to an episode in the Sentai.
1: Mm-mm. I know, uh, I know enough to know that yeah, that is pretty beat for beat. So, like I said, despite the fact that they got the uh, the gimmick slash motif completely wrong, <laughs> they worked it. They worked with it incredibly well. In lesser hands, I I feel like this. This season probably would have been a disaster, probably even a bigger disaster than Turbo, because at least they were on at least when it came to the gimmick and motif, they were on brand.
0: (laughs) And honestly, this, you know, watching in space makes me appreciate uh, makes me appreciate Mega Ranger more. But not in a, like a, but not in a, oh, Sentai is superior to Power Rangers, blah, 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 blah. I just think that, uh, I just think they complement one another because they are taking some very similar storylines and recontextualizing them. So it was, when I watched through Mega Ranger, it was easy to follow along, especially if I missed some things with the subtitles. It was easy for me to follow along because the storylines are still pretty much the same. And to this day, I think like my top sentai that I've watched so far has been o Ranger. Uh and then my second, probably right under right belief, right below that has it has to be Mega Ranger out of the ones I have ah. seen so
1: far. Okay, okay. So, now let's talk about our new guy, our new Red Ranger. So, Andros is he's human, but he's a human from another planet. So we established mm-hmm. that there are humans that live on other planets in right. the universe. So that's interesting enough. And we also find out that Zordon is apparently mentored and trained other Rangers Mm -hmm. elsewhere in the universe, because it sounds like Andros was also trained by Zordon. Mm -hmm. So he's trying to find Zordon just like the Rangers. But at first is in Andros arc in this is he's a loner. He's really standoffish. He doesn't like accepting help. And we find out later why. It's because he's lost people very close to him. His sister was kidnapped when he was a child, and he saw it happen. Right. His best friend, he thought, died next to him and has been in cryogenic sleep for two years mm-hmm. on the brink of death, and doesn't know if he'll ever wake up. So it makes complete sense that he would just be incredibly standoffish, and before the before the rest of the characters show up, the only friend he had was an AI. <laughs> yeah deca deca which yeah we'll talk about her in a second but but and then he develops and not only does he make friends with them and then learn things about how earth works and stuff like that like he didn't know what a handshake was and you know he also you know he starts a relationship with ashley so right. and then so everything comes full circle for him he's more stoic compared to most of the red rangers that we've seen before unless you push him really hard and then he'll he'll fly off the handle a little bit (laughs) but he the other thing he's doing is he's trying to find his missing sister that becomes another one of those threads that gets we woven throughout the whole season and then it blows up halfway through (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, it, it blows, it, oh it definitely, yeah, it definitely blows it up. It
1: blows up and it blows up hard. And I, I feel like early on, uh, Christopher Kamen and Lee, I thought his performance was a little bit stiff at first, but by the end of the season I think he figured it out. Mm-hmm. And he had, you know he had the whole thing figured out. By the way, I found out that his sister is an actress and was in some of the CW superhero shows for DC Comics. Interesting. Yeah, Travis told me that, our co-host in common. That will never not get old. <laughs> <laughs> or I should say that will never get old. But anyway. So I I, I just I think Andros is a fantastic character.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. He could have
1: just he could have been incredibly boring and he ends up becoming one of the best characters in the entire show.
0: Yeah, they could have easily went they could have easily taken a very different route with it, Um, with him being like um, this awkward space traveler that's just, I guess, a uh, like just this extreme introvert.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I like the costumes this season, too. We didn't talk about the turbo suits all that much, but I really like the costumes this season.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, there's the, 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 a better the, color the,
1: balance, a little the, bit more color than just their, you know, their regular ones. The visors are subtly different from each other. The helmets, mm-hmm. yeah, they're the, not uh, as di- they aren't as distinct as say the the zoo ranger su- suits. Yeah, if the saying uh, that three times fast.
0: The different. um the 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 helmets for our female rangers, they are a little bit softer, whereas the males are a little bit um more aggressive and sharp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's uh, fun a,
1: fact. This was the last Mega Ranger was the last Sentai that had two girls on the team for a while. Yeah, that's true. Which is unfortunate. But anyway, so yeah, I'm really I really dig the costumes in mm-hmm. this. Oh, they the, look great. They're a little bit more uniformish. Of course, they have uniforms on the ship too. See, that's the thing. I love space operas. I am a huge sucker for space operas. Mm-hmm. My favorite being Star Trek, and there is a lot of Star Trek vibes in this show, which is part of the reason why I love it.
0: <laughs> it's yeah, it's still very like I know we made fun of it in the um, in our season two discussion, but uh, it's still like very color. Each ranger is very color coordinated with their yeah. uniform, but it's done in, in a it's done in a way that actually makes sense. I think.
1: Yeah, and it's a little bit more subtle. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they all, I want those jackets, you sent me a link to somebody who's selling replicas of their jackets. I'm like, I think I need this.
0: Yeah, there, there <laughs> is a, I cannot remember what the company's called now, but there is a, there is a place online that you can buy replica. Uh, you can buy these replica jackets. Uh, in fact, I think the jackets were used in that fan-made film featuring oh. Christopher Kamen Lee. Um, I cannot remember what it's called though. I'll have to look it up after this and I'll send it to you.
1: Okay, yeah. So, uh, like, the uniforms, the ship, the, you know, the, like there's a lot of Star Trek in it. There's also a lot of Star Wars in it as well, because they have the Veloci fighters that look like Star Wars ships to a certain extent. They
0: look like X-Wings, yeah.
1: Yeah, not quite, but, yeah, very similar. Uh, and we'll get to some of the be- uh, villain designs and all of that here in a little bit. So, yeah really just just, just reveling <laughs> just reveling in all, the the aesthetic of the show so our supporting cast we've already talked about some of them already so we have alpha 6 again and thank god the first episode they're just like oh his uh, speech circuits broke (laughs) to which every child who suffered through turbo is looking and saying hallelujah
0: (laughs) and they 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 they, as andros is trying to fix it they cycle through a number of little of different voices and i'm and i'm hearing them and i'm like oh please, please god don't pick that one please god don't pick that one please god don't pick that one and um and they finally settle on one that sounds a lot closer to the original.
1: Yeah, it sounds like Alpha Five. By the way, does has anyone ever found out what happened to Alpha Five?
0: So Alpha di- Alpha and Zordon did show up in passing of the torch. Yes, in but what happened to him after that? I have no idea. But it wasn't Some even. But it wasn't even the same suit. It wasn't our current like updated suit in in passing the torch. It was the old suit from the first two seasons of the
1: show. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, and then by the next episode, Andrew's like, oh, I fixed him, but it's, uh, but you know, I couldn't, I had to give him, but basically, I had to give him different speech circuits. And Alpha says, no, that's okay. I like this one or something like that. I'm like, oh, thank God.
0: <laughs> <Yes>.
1: <laughs> Let's keep discarding. See, that's the thing I like about this. Some people's attitudes, and because I know that there are fans of other things where this is their attitude, which is, we don't like this particular thing you know, story, movie, whatever. We want to retcon it out of Mm -hmm. canon Mm -hmm. or something like that. It doesn't count. We're going to make it not count. Right. I think that's actually not the best way to go about it. They could have done that Mm -hmm. if they wanted to be nuts, but this is back when people didn't think like that. Their thought process was, okay, we screwed up with Turbo. We're not going to erase it, Mm -hmm. but how can we fix it? Mm -hmm. So and I think they
0: I think they did the best they could, and in fact, it ended up being, it ended up the voice for Alpha Six, well, ended up being really good. I think,
1: mm-hmm. and he also ended up being very useful, mm-hmm. not just running around freaking out. He's actually doing things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He's being helpful, like genuinely helpful. You know, we were talking about before about Alpha Five being Zordon's hands and feet. He is. Alpha Six is the Rangers' eye in the sky. When they go off and fight a monster, he's taking care of the ship. Sometimes he even flies the Astro Mega ship in and transforms it into Megazord mode.
0: Yeah, and it's an interesting little dynamic that they that they have with Decca and Alpha because Decca and Alpha, you would yeah. think you would think they serve the same purpose, but I, they play off of one another really well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Decca is a female AI that runs the ship, and you know she, you know she does things like calculate courses and all that. And there's a point at the end of the pro, of the pilot where both Alpha, both Alpha and Andros, the jerks, they go over and they just hit a button and shut her up. <laughs> For the most part, yeah, you know, she's she serves a good. You know she she doesn't necessarily have episodes that showcase her or anything mm-hmm. like that but she's a good presence to have she kind of becomes a little bit of a personification of their ship right because one of the things this is a very star trekian idea is to give personality to the ships mm-hmm. in some form or another which is why people have incredible attachments not only to the characters but to the ships Mm -hmm. And so that was actually very cool of them, I think. And she has a nice interplay with the characters, especially with alpha because they play off of each other. Like you said,
0: right. It was very, it was very much, like you said, it was very much, we don't have to spend any more time here. It was very much an appreciated. Um, Mm -hmm. it was a very much appreciated part of the show deck.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we've talked about Adele a little bit. Admittedly, there not much amounts to Adele. I think she was meant to basically be the new Ernie. Mm hmm. But she doesn't show up all that much. And when she does, she doesn't necessarily do anything all that important. But they also don't use the surf spot very often. But then we get Bulk and Skull, who for some people are their favorite characters. And I think, honestly, this season really showcases how you can develop characters who, when they started, they were just your token high school bullies. Oh, yeah. Played for comic relief, and they are so far from what they were in that first season.
0: Oh, for sure, yeah.
1: Oh my gosh. Because now they get their their new shtick in this. So they're not doing the detective thing anymore. Lieutenant Stone is gone mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And now their new shtick is they're hanging out with this eccentric scientist <laughs> Dr. Phenomenus, Professor Phenomenus. Who I will say, I will say in the in lesser hands, Dr. Phenomenus just would have been annoying, but they somehow I think I have to say it's probably the actor. I don't know who that actor is, but he he relishes that character. He plays that character with such gusto. Mm -hmm. I, I you may have to look up the guy's name because I can't remember offhand. But he did a great job with a character that could have just been very disposable and annoying. He's a mad scientist in the funniest way possible. He's not evil or anything. He's mad as in just crazy because he's obsessed with finding aliens.
0: The actor's name is Jack Banning.
1: Jack Banning. Yeah, I could. This dude looks like he belongs in like old Hollywood or vaudeville or something. He has a little bit of that kind of old Hollywood feel to him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the bulk and scholar hanging out with this goofball now. And well, while he's trying to run around and with these harebrained schemes, trying to find aliens, that's their stick.
0: It's like the show almost rebooted their character in a way. Uh Uh-huh. So that's that's kind of the vibe I'm getting from Bulk and Skull, because, again, you know, Lieutenant Stone is gone. We don't know where Lieutenant Stone is um, and they don't like and they don't use they don't use them as much. And I think that's I think that's fine. Like, I, I think that is I think that is perfectly fine. Yeah, Their stick um,
1: doesn't quite fit in the show anymore.
0: Mm-hmm, for sure.
1: Not quite. But when they do show up, like I said, it's meaningful. And then let's be honest they get to have one of the best moments of the entire season if not their entire run on the show in the finale
0: if you don't if you don't get slightly emotional for balkan skull in that final episode then you don't appreciate yeah. then when you've ha- never then you've never appreciated these yeah. characters
1: when we have when they have their i am spartacus moment that's that's <laughs> really what it is it's spartacus right, right. Where the, the astronomer and the villains are saying, Bring us the Power Rangers or you all die. Mm-hmm. And then Bulk and Skull just walk up and say, I am a Power Ranger. And then everybody else starts doing it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I don't think the villains were expecting that. And then not only that, but they actually lead the charge and all of these civilians help the Rangers fight the bad guys. I like, talk about character growth the bullies the high school bullies finally get to be the heroes that they in their own ridiculous minds they thought they were
0: so they they kind of actually pay off a lot of the shtick from say like season one and season two where bulk and skull are like we're going to pretend to be power rangers so we can get girls and then or money Or money, or something of that nature. I remember the it was season one, the Ranger Ranger Appreciation Day. That's it, uh, where they dress up and try to be Power Rangers to convince the citizens of Angel Grove that they deserve to be honored and revered just as much as the Power Rangers Mm -hmm, do. Which mm -hmm. it's kind of like it's kind of like that. It's like that payoff of Uh of all that of all that stuff that they went through. As a sh- as a funny little shtick, but now they've flipped it on its head and turned it into something like extreme, extremely meaningful.
1: It's crazy to watch. It might seem silly to a lot of people, but this is something I want to make sure I say. I'm gonna, I, I am going to be gushing over this season quite a bit, and I'm sure that there's still other people out there who are just gonna be like, "Oh come on, guys, it's Power Rangers." They're gonna be very reductionist about this, right? And I just gonna be like. Just because it's campy superhero stories doesn't mean it shouldn't be written well mm-hmm. and have good characters, good plotting, good themes. It does, just because it's campy doesn't mean it shouldn't have good storytelling.
0: Right. And it's, it kind of plays into something you and I were talking about in private where we had made a, I think it was in our introductory episode. We had made a statement about like, just because like, there's nothing like, it's just as silly to have a man that dresses up as a bat at fights crime as it is to have five teenage superheroes in multicolored spandex. Um, I mean, there's just no, I feel like there's no difference. And then one of, one of your friends, Chris, I think it was Chris, Chris Cook. Yeah. yeah, Tried to explain why there is actually a clear difference, at least in the mindset of other people, why there's a clear difference. But what, what, what I'm trying to say here is there shouldn't be a difference because like you said, when characters are written, well, there is no difference. Like good writing is just good writing no matter if it's power rangers or batman or superman or whatever other thing has ingrained itself into pop culture good writing is good writing good characters are good characters and it should not matter from what franchise they come from
1: this this show is remarkably this this season in particular is remarkably grown up and mature and which is a turning point for at least a little while in the franchise yeah, I think InSpace anticipated something else that has become very important and popular in the Ranger fandom and that's the Boom Studios comics. I feel like a lot of them are following in the footsteps of InSpace. Cuz mm-hmm. that seems to be from the ones that I've read that seems to be the tone that they're trying to go for.
0: Yeah, it is. Like the the Boom Studios comics has they have a more uh, they have a more mature edge to them without sacrificing the family kid friendly elements as well. Like they're Mm -hmm. not so far, they're not so far over the edge that you, that I can't hand my 12, that I can't hand my like eight or 12 year old nephew say, here, read this Ranger comic and then be kind of like, oh, should I have given him that? Is there stuff that I should, that he shouldn't be reading about blah, blah, blah. blah." Mm -hmm. Uh, Are there, are there themes in the book that, you know, he aren't, he's not quite ready for, like I don't have to worry about that at all with the Boom Studios comics, but as a as a thirty five year old uh, adult, I can also read those Boom Studios comics and find little things in them that help reinforce some of the stories we see in this series and in and in later series.
1: Yeah, yeah. So now let's move on to our sixth Ranger, Zane, or as I like to call him, Dude McHandsome. Oh uh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> you're not a i take it you're not a fan of zane
0: honestly i i mean zane is fine he's 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 fine he's a pretty boy he has an interesting he has an interesting backstory he's
1: quite a charmer
0: he is (laughs) if he can charm if he can almost charm the pants off of astronomer then i guess he's a pretty good charmer
1: um those those, uh, hot leather pants, huh?
0: <laughs> <laughs> but no, Zane, Zane is, Zane is okay. Zane is fine. I like Zane's backstory. I like, um, they, they are playing around with this dynamic a little bit with the latest season of Dino Fury, uh, with Ion and, um, Zato, Zato, thank you with Ion and Zato, uh you know best friends back in the day something happens they're separated and all the, and they have to find a way to get them back but in mm-hmm. in this case zane like we said has been in cryogenic sleep for god knows how long i don't i don't remember how long they said two it's years been. two years okay so he's been in cryogenic sleep for the last two years and they don't even know if he's gonna wake up
1: now they don't explain why andros kept the uh, kept that cryo tube a secret Mm -hmm. They conveniently get interrupted and then they just never explain it.
0: Maybe it was just to build a little bit of mystery.
1: It was, but they just never explain why they did. it purely to create intrigue Mm -hmm. for a little while. Yeah. Now, admittedly, I wouldn't go so far as to say Zane is the best sixth ranger. So again, like I said, in space doesn't have to do everything the best, Mm -hmm. but it has to do everything at least good with a few with enough things that are the best to be considered the best. So, he's no Tommy Oliver, but good luck with that. But- I
0: I like Zane. Look, I like Zane. I think he I think he's a suitable sixth ranger, but I'm honestly happy. I'm honestly happy and this is going to sound really terrible. I I'm honestly happy that he kind of goes away for a while, for a little while.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that might have also been because of the available sentai footage that they have. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Now they do a thing a little bit early on where his powers don't last very long. And he, you know, he's, on a, he's like Ultraman. He has a time limit. Yeah. But then they fix that. And then he actually leaves to go help rebels. They meet some rebels who survived a massacre on their planet because he almost dies uh-huh. in a massacre. That's why he's in cryogenic sleep. And they, they're survivors from their homeworld, KO 35. So he goes off to help them. So that's why he's not around quite as much in the back half of the season.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. But the most important thing he does is he's so charming that their arch nemesis falls for him. And you have an episode which was written by Jackie Marchand I might add.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, who's a who's, who's That's a why fan- honestly fantastic. if I Yeah, who's a, who's I, a fantastic writer, a, a showrunner for this series. Yeah,
1: which by the way if I ever get to talk to her, like interview her. I am going to ask her so many questions about writing astronomer and some of these other characters. Cause I'm just like, I need to know what know What was your thought process behind this? You know, being, you know, I'm a writer as well. So sure, I just, I have to know, but in an episode that, again, I feel like in lesser hands would have just been saccharine and mm-hmm. just unbearable. It becomes very endearing because the it whole does. thing starts off kind of slice of life. Because the Rangers just like we need a break, <laughs> let's go to the movies. <laughs> so, they, so the girls are like, "Well, it's our turn to pick this week." So they go see, I don't know, some sort of romance movie, and the boys are being boys about it. Sure, and so they get, but then, but this is when we learn that Astronomers has got a thing for Zane, and it's reciprocated. Mm hmm. Yeah. And and I'll get into it a heck of a lot more later, but they try to get a thing going. Like I said, it could have just been something silly, sure. but it ends up having a lot more weight to it. Like I said, you can work within confines and still have good storytelling.
0: Well, it works within the it, it, it works to the greater narrative of, you know, Astronema being this orphan pretty much and raised by Ecliptor. And then she's constant. she's trying, she's searching. She's trying to find herself, which I know we'll get into later. I don't want to, I don't want to dump all that stuff on our listeners now. Um, But, but yeah, uh, it's just, yeah, it, it's just a really interesting dynamic that they're doing. Yeah. Which is a
1: great way to transition into talking about astronomer. Oh, I have been waiting for this. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead go ahead i know you're sitting on the jokes just pour them on i already made fun of you about zed
0: go ahead <laughs> i mean all, all i'm gonna say all i'm gonna say is that you you are probably the biggest astronomer simp i've ever met you know?
1: simp I, pre- I i prefer the term stan okay <laughs> Fine. I am not a simp by far. Okay.
0: (laughs) Okay. Stan, the man, go ahead and talk about the
1: man. I just, I love this character. (laughs) I love this character. And I admit part of it is because I ended up using this character in a, in a unusual way in the monster Island film vault as a character at your suggestion, I might add.
0: Well, I was going to say how, who did, who do you really owe credit to for that there, Mr. Thank you.
1: (laughs) This character is wonderful. She is... I, I I know there might be people who will fight me for, over this. She's the best villain in Power Rangers. Okay. Remember how I said when we talked about season two and we talked about Zed, I said the two best ways you write villains is you mm-hmm. either make them as uber cool as possible, i.e. Lord Zed,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or you make them th- uh, well developed three dimensional characters they have uh, which i say is astronoma the other thing is the the advantage that astronoma has is she's also incredibly cool
0: <laughs> she is uh, I, I will i will say this she is incredibly cool like she is like my nostalgia my nostalgia for this franchise says lord Zed is hands down the coolest villain Period. End of story. No questions asked. Um, but from a more pragmatic perspective, or from a more, pra- I guess, practical perspective, um, Astronema is p- probably the best written villain outside of maybe Rancic from Time Force.
1: Yeah, which we'll get into that when we get there. But the, again, uh, the w- astronomer is... A course correction. I mean, even just her introduction in that first episode. When it's all the villains gathered together and you got Diva Tox and Rita, you know, the two big, you know, mo- you know, two most notable villains in the franchise at that point with Diva Tox bragging about beating the Power Rangers and Rita being like, oh, really, you? Ah! <laughs> They're just bickering with each other. <laughs> You're waiting for a cat fight to just break out at any second. Because Rita is nothing if not petty. <laughs> she tries to blast Divatox with her with her wand. She misses. And then Astronema catches it. And we're, we don't get some ridiculous over-the-top display like you would expect from a Divatox or a Rita. She just catches the lightning bolt and glares at the two of them as if to say, there's a new queen in town.
0: And just walks and, and just, just walks
1: away. She glares saunters at him, away. walks away. And good Lord, I looked into Melody Perkins. She was a dancer and good grief. She knows how to move. She walks like a femme fatale every, everywhere she goes. <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm. Oh
1: yeah, uh, and she fills that costume very well i'm just saying oh no she she, <laughs> she is a beautiful woman she is an absolutely she's still a beautiful woman
0: <laughs> yeah melody perkins is great i think she she fills the role so well i cannot think and of she, any i can't
1: fresh at acting too this is like her first big acting gig
0: yeah she did a, i think a couple of like commercials or maybe like yeah little, And she
1: had like, some bit parts in some other tv shows but nothing much uh, she had a small part in Malcolm in the Middle. She had a really small part in a almost forgotten '90s superhero show called
0: Nightman. Nightman, I don't remember. I don't even remember that one.
1: Yeah, that's a rabbit hole I'm not prepared to go down. But, <laughs> but yeah, this was her first real acting gig. And admittedly, at the beginning, even though her in- her introduction is pretty downplayed by Power Ranger standards, especially by Power Ranger standards she does ham it up a little bit more than you would expect early on. But once you get to about the halfway point in the season, she really finds the character and she doesn't go as over the top as she did. And I think it benefited the character. Yeah. But she is not, she's not screechy like Rita. She's not over the top bombastic, like diva Tox she but she makes it known she is not to be trifled with and she is dark specter's new favorite
0: yeah she can be a little bit catty too but she's not she can, she can. she's she's but, not anywhere near as um she she had that kind of uh, like every throughout the season every now and then as they're like as they're, as they I think there was one, what was the episode there where the, where the lose Lightning Cruiser? Divatox calls into the Dark Fortress. He said, Hi, Astronomer, if you happen to see this little red car that I lost, can you please get back to, can you please get that back to me, hon? Thank you. And then <laughs> Astronomer says, Sure. Basically, I'm paraphrasing, Sure. And then she's like, Girl, bye.
1: <laughs> Girl, bye. <laughs> Devatox didn't like that. <laughs> but the here's the thing that is so absolutely fascinating, especially when you look at astronomer sure. in the context mm-hmm. of the of what came before. Sure. And I admit a lot of what I am going to be talking about in this episode. Not all of it is necessarily original thoughts to me, but one of the most interesting things I heard somebody talking about is that astronomer is in a lot of ways, she is a very traditional power Ranger villain thanks to Rita it was a very much a tradition to have female main villains so you had Rita you had diva talks characters like that and it continued well uh, well past the this series into the rest of the franchise and she definitely looks like a power ranger villain. she has outlandish she wears wigs outlandishly colored wigs
0: oh do we want to go here do we want to go
1: we'll get into that that's more I think connected to the thematic stuff but she's constantly changing that she like i said she looks outlandish Mm -hmm. but not so outlandish that it takes you out of it
0: Mm.
1: but she's a huge radical departure because the villains before this Mm. being evil was treated as if you were evil you were irredeemable right there was no coming back right yeah if you're Lord Zed and you're irredeemably evil, you're Rita Repulsa, and you know, like, you're calling on the name of pseudo Satan. Okay, <laughs> you know, you're the Machine Empire, and you're just your cold-hearted machines who are fueled by ambition. All of that to say, so it's so when you're told when the Rangers before this were told this person is evil, even though we've had some. Little moments here and there where they play around with that idea. Sure. There's they still just assume you're evil, you're pure evil. You must be stopped. You must be destroyed if necessary. Mm-hmm. There's no coming back from it. Then Astronoma comes in and completely changes that. We want to root for both the heroes and the villain as time goes on because we find out halfway through the season with this major just bombshell of a plot of a pl- uh, you know of a plot twist. Astronema is Andros's long-lost sister. And that com- changes the whole dynamic of the show. Mm-hmm. Completely. Oh. First off, I want to point out, I rarely come across stories where we have siblings who are rivals and it's a brother and a sister. It's, it's usually-, usually brothers or just sisters. Right. This is a brother and a sister. So now it's kind of at this point where you want to root for both of them, but you know you can't. And now we're I and mean, they're dabbling into the idea of nature versus nurture. You know, she wasn't you know, born to be evil. You know, not like your Lord Zed or your Rita Repulsa. This was something uh, again, we'll talk about it a bit more later. It was forced upon her. She mm. can come back. That's yeah. that becomes Andros's <sighs> impetus for the rest of the season. I can bring my sister back.
0: You get like flashbacks of Andros and her playing. And then um, you later on find out that she was actually kidnapped and it doesn't say if she was sold or just given away to uh, ecliptor to be raised as his own. He says Um, that she
1: was basically left on his doorstop.
0: Okay, so basically that so she so we find out I believe it was um, what was the episode? I think it was like secret of the locket yeah, where that's when they-
1: this whole thing's revealed because Andros had a locket that had his picture of his sister in it and he finds out Astronema has a matching one mm-hmm. and she doesn't want to believe it. Yeah. she doesn't want to because she was told that her whole planet was massacred by power Rangers. So she doesn't want to believe that her brother. One that yeah. she has a brother, but her brother is a power ranger right. the power ranger she's been fighting for a whole season mm-hmm. she's been trying to murder all of them for right. an for half the season at this point that is it's a huge turning point in this season, and it changes everything yeah and it's it's nothing short of incredible
0: <laughs> i I think this is a good way i think this is a good segue to move into her into another uh, part of the the villain crew which is ecliptor
1: ecliptor oh, i am so i'm actually i love ecliptor and i'm really disappointed how the show handles him in the end and, and we'll talk about it here ecliptor is our general
0: mm-hmm.
1: and what could have easily have been a relatively two-dimensional character mm-hmm. Ends up getting fleshed out even in this. We've talked, a, I think we've talked a little bit about it before with some of the other villains. But what makes Ecliptor fascinating is he is a he is self I, he is a self avowed villain. He mm-hmm. makes it abundantly clear, I am evil, but he has a code of honor, yeah. which is so incredibly different. You don't necessarily expect that in the in a suit in a villain on power rangers by the way he (laughs) clearly suit clearly looks like it was meant for a video game (laughs) Sentai. he's supposed that they they explain it away by saying he's a robot but (laughs) he looks like he looks like the grid from tron manifested as a (laughs) very weird looking person i mean
0: it (laughs) looks good but it looks good
1: though it looks good it looks great but it's clear you if you stare at it long enough you're like video game (laughs) just a little bit but but
0: but ecliptor serves as her general but also her council
1: he's also her father figure basically Mm -hmm. he actually says i raised you and it's ac- Darkonda, one of the other villains, actually tells Dark Specter that the problem that they're having with Astronema is because Ecliptor cared for her. Mm-hmm. He actually cared about her, even though he says I'm evil. I mean, this is you know, this is Power Rangers, where villains will self-identify as evil, mm-hmm. but we know he cares about her. There's and there's these subtle points where he does things like he saves Andros from Darkonda because he's her brother. Mm -hmm. He buys Astronema and the Rangers time to run away because he cares about her.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: He loves her like a daughter. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's so, again, we get these flashes, you know, the code of honor, the care that he shows, tenderness even at points. And it's just, and it's a great voice actor too, Lex Lang. Does the voice of this character and he plays him marvelously. Mm. And so I just, I love Ecliptor. <laughs> Can you tell? I just, I just love Ecliptor because he's also given a surprising amount of depth yeah. that you don't expect. Now, they don't play around with him as much as they do with Astronema, mm-hmm. but he supplements Astronema's story incredibly well. He also, has a longstanding rivalry with our Red Ranger, which doesn't typically happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, it, it happened with Goldar and Jason because you know Goldar and Jason had a had a had a rivalry in season one. Um this is much this, more
1: personal though.
0: But this is much more personal, yes, because I think the the characterization here is especially especially after especially after um they discover that Andros and Astronoma are brother and sister Eclipter tries to shield Astronoma from Andros because he because uh because Eclipter does not want to lose her to her brother
1: yeah yeah i also think he's concerned about her because <laughs> They made a deal with dark specter. Cause we, that's the other thing I've got a section here for dark specter, because we find out that dark specter is supposed to be basically the supreme evil of the universe. Mm-hmm. And yeah. everyone is subservient to him. And he, and astronomer is now his new favorite. And he's probably like, if dark specter gets wind of this, this yeah. is not going to end well.
0: <laughs> right.
1: So yeah. he wants, I think he wants to push her back to the darkness, but he knows that if she keeps going toward the light, he has to let her. There's that sense of, I have to let her. Yeah. I have to, which is why he saves Andros and buys her time.
0: Which is a very, which is a very parental thing. Like sometimes our children, and I don't have kids, so I'm, I'm, I'm speaking out of like not having kids, but something I have, something I have observed uh, in media and in, in knowing people personally, like friends and family sometimes you have to let your children do things that you disagree with so that they can grow from it.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is why uh, I, uh, on my short list of things that disappoint me about this season, Ecliptor's fate is one of them that upsets me so much. Because uh, to talk about... Because we'll ha- probably have to spend at least a little bit of time just talking about the finale. Well, We've already talked about parts, but we'll talk about another part of it. Okay. When all of the villains get dusted, Infinity War style, yeah, by the Z-Wave. Right. Well, the villains either get dusted or they get... They get transformed. Transformed. Basically, the evil is removed from them. They are redeemed, right. basically. And that happens to talks, and of all people rita and zed mm-hmm. but ecliptor gets dusted right that upsets me
0: yeah and i would have assumed the way i would have written that is i would have not dusted ecliptor but i would have transformed him into i would have changed him into a human and allowed him to travel back to ko 35 with astronomy yeah.
1: if not human at least all of the and we'll talk a little bit of more about this but all of the modifications that were forced upon him at least remove those use the old suit right. you know the first right because
0: right because uh later on in the season when dark specter uh when dark specter gets wind of something's not right uh he orders darkonda to make some modifications to both ecliptor mm-hmm. And astronomer basically to
1: ensure their right. loyalty,
0: basically stripping them of their humanity,
1: so we've already talked about Elgar because I have Elgar on the list let's talk about Dark Specter because there are a few things where the show gets hampered by its budget, and this was mm-hmm. one of them. They had originally envisioned Dark Specter as a humanoid character, but it basically just would have been a living shadow I think it's the living.
0: um the human character the the what is it called at the beginning of, um, at the end of, at the end of turbo, I'm looking it up here. The dark, dark specter, uh, this, uh, um, uh, the Sumerian messenger is yes. what it's list is what it's listed as. Yeah. That was supposed to be dark specter. Uh, that was supposed because dark spectre was,
1: but no they said that he was a messenger for dark spectre
0: No, well dark spectre was supposed that was supposed to be a very similar characterization for dark spectre he was supposed to be a human basically similar to zordon a floating head
1: okay so it would have been a very different character they couldn't afford to do it mm. so they recycled the malagor suit right which i will admit when the when in space was on Back in the day, I knew enough about the Turbo movie to know that that suit was in the movie. I'm like, is that the same character? Mm -hmm. Is that the same character? I'm confused, but okay. And they're not. They're not intended to be the same character. and
0: And the Malagor suit just looks intimidating. So yeah. it falls under the it falls under the um make your villain look as cool as possible.
1: Yeah. But the, that's the Dark Specter is that kind of a character. He's a devil figure in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. He's the supreme evil of the universe and everyone is subservient to him. And he's and much like the, what?
0: And and much like the devil, he is the one that corrupts astronomer
1: Yeah. yeah, he, And I guess the implication is that he corrupted everybody and <laughs> so yeah uh now i asked you about uh, Ma- uh, asked this uh, uh, i asked you this about malagor but uh, is dark specter a kaiju
0: i mean i'm going to stick with my i'm going to stick with what i said in the turbo episode and say yes because he he if you wanted to get really specific he's probably a yokai um but sure he's a he's a he's a kaiju
1: yeah Anyway, I just have to ask that because I'm ridiculous. And Travis will find it funny. <laughs> uh, because of a certain big red dog.
0: Yeah, this, but this time it's a big red <laughs> devil, but okay.
1: Yeah, a big red devil. <laughs> yeah, so that's confusing bit aside, because I'm sure that probably threw some kids for a whirl. They're like, huh? Malagor? Why are they calling him Dark Spectre? Right. <laughs> Well, I will admit, you know, having some sort of shadowy you know, a humanoid character would have been interesting. And that's what the Boom Studios comics have done. Mm-hmm. His true form is this shadowy void, mm-hmm. but you know, character. But he uses that visage as an avatar to mm-hmm. talk to the mortals, which actually does make some sort of sense. So that's the thing about from the Boom Studios comics that I really do like. But he serves his purpose. He's there to be the You know, to be the master that they're all trying to serve in one form or another and give, you know, be a driving force, so to speak, in this. And also a bit of a motivator because we find out that apparently he trained his princess of darkness a little too well. (laughs) Because when we get to the point where he turns her into the brainwashed cyborg, she's like, he did that to make sure she was loyal but it actually just made her more conniving because now she's like I'm going to find a way to drain him as all of all his power and then I will be the queen of evil.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it was a big it was a, essentially a, the whole um the, the whole arc with the Psycho Rangers is just one gigantic power grab to get rid of Dark Specter
1: basically. And uh we we already talked about it a little bit about Dark Honda... <sighs>
0: Dark is
1: glorious.
0: Dark is when you have, when when you want to make someone just ridiculously evil, I think you should use Dark as the model.
1: Oh jeez. Darkon and Darkon's design is just nightmare fuel. Just pure nightmare oh, yeah. fuel. I'm not sure what he looks a little bit insectoid, but not really. He's got he's covered with horns and spikes and it looks like he has a mouth, a he's big gaping toothy to be, mouth for a rib cage and just
0: He's supposed oh, to be a gremlin.
1: Oh, that he's, makes sense.
0: He's supposed to be some kind of gremlin or ghoul. Um it's never it's never specifically said yeah. in the Sentai what yeah. exactly he but is.
1: He's horrifying. He doesn't have any lips, he just has big teeth that just move when he talks. Mm-hmm. And he talks a little bit like this. Ah. <laughs> well, it's
0: it's a lot more hissy. Uh, hissy, yes.
1: Yeah, I mean it's just that, the voice is perfect. And he's a great foil for a clipter because they have a rivalry. Mm-hmm. They even combine in a couple of episodes. <laughs> which is just weird, but because uh, he is, he's cunning and he's conniving. He's a master manipulator, but mm. he is evil through and through. Mm. <laughs> he, he's a force,
0: but he also, sure. but he also has this really interesting character tick, our tick characterization, something where his lives are finite. Yes. Like he, like he keeps he's like sc-
1: he's a time lord basically, <laughs>
0: yeah. So he keeps this scroll a, cat. <laughs> <laughs> a really evil cat, even though cats are already evil. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. Um, and this is coming from someone who actually owns two of them. Um, so Dark Honda he carries around this scroll and he keeps track of all of his life. So when the, when the Rangers defeat him or kill him, he loses a life. So, you know, his lives are finite, um, which gives him some really interesting, like character motivation because he too is going after a power grab towards the end of the, um, towards the end of the season where he wants to destroy. He, he senses dark specters power waning, and he is very much the opportunist and so he does what he yeah, has to do he's very
1: machiavellian
0: very so he he's he tries to do what he has to do to you know undermine everything that astronomer and even dark specter are trying to accomplish so that he can seize power for himself
1: yeah for sure for sure and like I said, he's a great foil for Ecliptor because they do not like each other. <laughs> well,
0: they're, well, they're 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 somewhat polar opposites. They're suppo- yeah. they're both they're they're both "quote unquote evil" in their own right, but like we talked about earlier, um, you know, Ecliptor has a code of ethics and a code of honor whereas Darkonda is just
1: yeah, evil. Uh, in terms of say D&D alignments, <laughs> Ecliptor would probably be lawful evil. And Darkonda is chaotic evil.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, like I said, he's like just straight up nightmare. And when he has those times where he turns into a giant monster, it's just so weird. He is so weird. Like he, can, he grows one antler, but not two. And there's a little bit of him that falls off and makes another monster. And <laughs> I'm just like, what the frick are you? <laughs> Where are the mom's groups who were so worried about
0: Zed? That moment where, that episode where he does that, that is where Darkonda dies in the Sentai.
1: Ah, I figured. Yeah, figured he he wasn't around as much.
0: Because he becomes so overpowered, he basically just self-destructs.
1: It's kind of metal in a weird way. (laughs) It is it is and then real quick we have the quantrons our new foot soldiers i like the quantrons
0: i lot. like the i like the quantrons too they're probably my f- outside of say i don't know the putties they're probably the putties are the cogs they're very similar to the cogs except for they
1: have more personality than the cogs
0: they have more personality uh their 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 outfits are better they yeah. and
1: they are uh, they are power ranger original
0: they are yes, yes the they foot are.
1: soldiers for this season were just used as a monster of the week called the craterites that was a freaky episode too I might add Very. <laughs> but the, yeah so we have the quantrons I really like them they uh, they uh, they they' I think they're they're robots they make funny beeping they don't talk like the cogs they just make it's like you know my it's like my producer on the on the film ball <laughs> if you pay attention look- you can tell what they're saying.
0: They looked kind of like stormtroopers, but they carry a, um, what is it? (laughs) They look like
1: batlets to me, which is one of the reasons I really like them. Mm -hmm. They still get beat up by Power Kenny, but okay.
0: (laughs) It is what it is.
1: Well, okay. That's a good moment to talk because we didn't talk about that. So Justin comes back for an episode used better in one episode than he was that entire season. Oh yeah, cause... because he's dealing with the consequences of you know I was a ranger. I'm done. I'm spending time with my dad because my dad had to move. Mm-hmm. That's why I stayed on Earth. Why I didn't go into space. And my dad is not spending time with me. He's working too hard still because his dad's a divorcee. I think that's we we're told that. Yes, and he's just even though Justin is supposed to be this really smart, gifted kid who's done create just outrageous things that no ten year old or most ten year olds have never done.
0: He's still a kid.
1: He's still a kid. And he's like, I want my dad. Yeah. I need my dad. And then he gets an opportunity to have one last adventure. Cause we tie up loose ends with, uh, with a uh, lightning cruiser and, and storm blaster. Cause they get rescued in this episode and storm blaster goes and finds Justin because the Rangers need help. And I, I don't know how he's able to morph. People just assume that storm blaster had a morpher for him. Sure. Sure, and then we get a, a little team up where he helps out with the, he helps the team out. He has a little bonding moment with TJ cuz he's like, "Hey, we're both Blue Rangers now," you know. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, and there's a little joke where he says like, "Oh, you, uh, something like Oh, you guys have a small problem. Well, not so small anymore," you know, it's something like that. I'm paraphrasing. So, you know, he gets to have one last adventure and then they rescue the cars. And tie up that loose end. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, you know what? You finally made me like him, show. Congratulations. Is it, the end of that episode is very endearing because Justin's dad sees the dad across the street as he's getting ready to leave to go to the office. And he's showing his son how to fish. And he's like, it, it, the, he doesn't say anything. You just, it's all, it's all visual. And he just walks back into the house, goes up just before, just after Justin gets back into his room after he has one last adventure. And he says, you know what? The office can wait, son. We're going fishing.
0: Yeah. And so that's, that's a really, it was a good way to wrap the whole story. It was a good way to wrap Justin's kind of role in the franchise up with mm-hmm. a nice little bow for mm-hmm.
1: sure. Yeah. Which was something else that we saw throughout this. You know, We, uh, Adam came back and he got to be the black Ranger get, they even had the old morphic sequence. They went that far with it. I don't know how that morpher works because I thought the power coins were destroyed, but okay.
0: Okay. I mean, nostalgia. This is a
1: retcon I can like. <laughs> and so, and then he gets to have one last adventure as a ranger. We got a black ranger team up, and it's great. Good lord. Jo- uh, Johnny Young Bosch is a very talented martial artist. He's just, man. <laughs> He was killing oh, it in, that episode.
0: He, he's incredible. He's incredible. No, it was
1: just incredible. And then that was that was just it felt so good to see him do that. Felt yeah. so good to see him do that. And okay. yeah. Anyway, so Quantrons. Quantrons are cool. Uh they might be my favorite henchmen of the that I've seen so far. I like the putties a lot, but the Quantrons are just so cool to me. Yeah, before we get to the Zords, let's talk a little bit about uh, some uh, monsters of the week, and then we'll get into the Zords. And then, oh boy, strap in, class. will be in session when we talk themes.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to, um, uh, I'm gonna have to definitely like just give you the floor when we start talking themes. And I know this episode, I know this episode's already running long, but it's fine. I figured this would go for a while. Because there's just a lot, like we said, there's just a lot to unpack.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, on your list of notable monsters of the week, what do you have?
0: So, to start off, my, one of my most notable monsters of the week is we kind of alluded to it a little bit early on, and that is Waspicable. I have Waspicable as well. I have Waspicable and the, and the Sting King. I have Wasp, and they come as a pair because they're a pair in the episode. They're, they're brothers. brothers. Yeah, they're brothers. So the Sting King I'm referencing because the Sting King design just looks cool. It just looks really good. Mm-hmm. Uh Waspicable, however, I'm referencing because of the um just the the execution of his character within that episode.
1: Yeah, because he- this was hinting at the larger thing that are going on with this. Now we've had monsters before where the Rangers don't want to kill them because they think they're maybe a little bit innocent. They didn't necessarily want to be doing all the things that they're doing or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like the the one that was, what was it? It was like a, it, it was a Trini episode where she had like a doll or something like that. It got turned into a monster and she didn't want to kill it.
0: Yeah, um, it was, um, yeah, Tickle Sneezer. Yeah, That's it.
1: yeah. But this is different. This was a monster who was saying, I don't want to be evil. Mm-hmm. Everyone is telling me to be evil. My own brother is telling me to be evil. No, yeah, I don't I want to. I don't yeah. want to. And Cassie sticks up for him. Cassie, a power ranger, says, I I believe you. The rest of the team doesn't, but I believe you. I mm-hmm. want you to be free of this. And she helps him. He's very childlike at points, too, because I think a he's little. supposed to be the younger brother. Of The two
0: he is, he is definitely. He's, I think, he's definitely characterized as the younger brother. And uh, it's uh, we talked about this, but it's the reused um, it's Grumblebee, the, reused, the Grumblebee, yeah, the reused Grumblebee suit from Mighty Morphin season one,
1: yeah, yeah. And like I said, it's this is relatively early in the season, and it's before they start delving into the depth that you know, Astronomer especially has. That's it's kind of it's a filler episode, but it's foreshadowing what's coming. That's why I love it so much because like you could look at it as just a a filler episode of little consequence, but no, thematically speaking, it's important.
0: What what was the next one that you had? Uh, the next monster of the week that I had was the one featured in uh, the episodes "Flashes of Darkonda" and "The Rangers Mega Voyage." Uh, it was also in "Countdown to Destruction," but it's the monster that branches off as part of the uh as part of the the gigantic darkonda the the squ the like galactic Ugh. squid yeah that with, thing was just
1: weird and with ugly the hook- and nightmare fuel
0: well it was just cool looking yeah like it was, it was just one of those moments where uh it's good tokusatsu it's good creature design and it just looks in it and it makes a meaningful impact because that's the, epi- because the monster is featured in the episode where we get, um we get to see the mega Voyager for the first time, yes. which is the second, which is the secondary Megazord after the Astro Megazord. Mm-hmm.
1: And also I should have remembered this for the awards, but one of the rare instances where we get some ground level shots in mm-hmm. Power Rangers as Zords are get, getting knocked onto the ground Mm-hmm. This is sort of stuff that I expect to see in modern Ultraman, not in 90 Super Sentai.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, should for have. Sure.
1: I may have to change my award.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I mean, for, for me, for me, there is like this is one of the coolest, although in space has some really, really cool monsters Yeah, the, um, in
1: space has some of the most consistently good monsters of the week.
0: Mutantris is what it's called. Okay. Not mutitis. I think I said mutitis, but it's mutantris.
1: Got it. Got it. Now you, that you talked about mutitus when we were doing S- S- mighty morph in season one. Right. Yeah. yeah. My next one is Liz wizard.
0: Oh, is this the one where, is this the one that does the Shea dance?
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's already a cool as by the way, I read on the Ranger wiki. He was originally going to be Wiz lizard. Oh no. <laughs> they changed it to Liz Wizard. Probably a good idea. But yeah. but anyway, he's a chameleon and he's got mm-hmm. some pretty cool powers. He can he has a whip tongue and he can suck knowledge out of people with his tongue, which is a little horrifying. He's got a fun personality, but the big reason that I included him, well, he's also in a great episode, by the way. That was the Adam episode. Yeah. Always a chance. So he's in a great episode. Mm. But the big reason I put him in there because I'm just, it all, and this only happens in the Saban footage. This just is, it's a, I, no one on Ranger Wiki, I'm putting this out into the ether now because I don't think anybody else has talked about this. Uh-huh. But this was an instance where I think the filmmakers on Power Rangers are showing their Kaiju and Toku geek cred because when Liz Wizard teleports away, he poses like the Shea dance from, uh, from Godzilla versus monster zero, <laughs> that infamous scene. So like, mm-hmm. if anybody out there has, you know, done like looked through like Godzilla gifts and found this one where it's like Godzilla doing a victory dance. He does. He poses just like that twice in the episode. Not just a yeah. one time it was twice. And I, as a Godzilla fan, when I was watching, I'm like, hold on a second. And I backed it up and I'm like, guys, he does the shade dance,
0: <laughs> one of my other monsters of the week is actually we we referenced this early on in the episode, and it's the craterite conglomerate is yep. what it's
1: called? yeah, I have the craterites as well,
0: yeah, the craterite conglomerate, which can be seen in the craterite invasion episode um it's just pure nightmare fuel, and it's interesting that we get a creature that um can. That is the is the format is the summation of an entire army, similar to um, uh, legion, maybe like this. Yeah. Is, there's like there's uh, like from Gamera two, from Gamera two, yeah, from Ga- from the Gamera franchise. It's like they, it's like these this craterite army like combines together into this massive version of itself, and it's just pure nightmare fuel yeah and it just looks cool it's it a, a ep. Cool.
1: it's a freaky episode <laughs> i have to admit it's a freaky episode yeah with all of them just fusing together into this it's yeah nightmare fuel the the one this last one i have i really only have because i just think it's a really cool design he was he was in a fun episode sure it it was the the episode with justin mm-hmm. uh true blue to the rescue But it's like, okay, you win because you're a great design with some cool powers, and that's Lionizer.
0: Lionizer, yes. Lionizer,
1: which is the the big lion-looking monster with a huge cannon that spits Roman candles. (laughs) The sparkler of doom. (laughs) Poor Ashley and Carlos took uh, a face full of that cannon at one point in the episode. There isn't a lot of sentai footage of him in that episode. It's mostly saban footage with, the, with with the costume.
0: Yeah, because the episode because the episode that Lionizer shows up in the sentai is completely different than what we got yeah, in Yeah, I figured in, as
1: much. Yeah. I figured why, as much.
0: That's why we got that's why we got that instead of um uh instead of actual like uh sentai footage.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now I have one more on my list, but we're going to need extra time to talk about them. We have to talk cuz oh my gosh. <laughs> Here, I will introduce them with their own introductions. Okay. We're the Psycho Rangers. We're faster than you, smarter than you, stronger than you,
0: but we're evil. Oh my gosh. I think that if you if there if if you are wanting to create an evil team of rangers. The psychos are your blueprint to look at.
1: Yeah. One of, and the, one of my fandom goals in life is to get all of the in space, uh, lightning collection figures, get all of the psycho ranger figures, get an, uh, get an, uh, on these and then get the astronomer and ecliptor set and just make an epic diorama <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> with all of them fighting each other. <laughs> But because the psychos are great. Now, again, like I said, they're, they're very straightforward villains, but they're really cool. And the fact that they're inc- they're just, they are insanely to the point works to their favor because Absolutely. it's like having a team of Captain Ahab's. <laughs> they are single-mindedly focused on killing the Rangers, but not only killing the Rangers, killing their counterpart in color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, it's a single-minded obsession, and yeah. they are, were created by Astronema to drain Dark Spectre. So she keeps sabotaging their efforts to kill the Rangers to make them fight longer and more often because mm-hmm. she's trying to drain Dark Spectre's power.
0: The fun thing about the, the Psychos is their characterization is exactly the same in Power Rangers as it is in the Sentai. Because they were created, they were created to drain that Sentai's version of mm-hmm. Dark Specter's power.
1: Yeah, yeah I saw that I saw that episode. And they, they're not just rangers, they have monster forms.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they, they get can to be
1: see. monsters and rangers.
0: So it's similar to it's similar to what we saw with Scorpina, where she yes. had her she had her human form, but when she grew to a monstrous size, she became an actual scorpion creature.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like I said, they are single-mindedly focused on that. Almost like they're just kind of programmed to do it. They fight amongst themselves because they're competing with one another.
0: Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a team of egos.
1: Yeah, it's a team of egos. They don't like to cooperate with each other. Even when they try to say, like, hey, y- you shouldn't be doing that. You know, like, the, like, Psycho Red is the probably the most obsessive out of all of them. There's a whole episode that draws that out because Psycho Black's like, no, stop it, man, stop it. And he's like, No! kill the red ranger now just, he will have his head you know and it's just one of those things like what are you going to do when you kill the rangers what, what purpose in life are you going to have after that you know this is one of those things you kind of have to ask yourself because that's I think, how single-minded they are
0: i think one of the more and i think one of the most interesting episodes um is i think it's called if i'm not mistaken it's something blue in the title where essentially this is the blue psycho trying to hunt down TJ. And this is like a really like great standout TJ episode for in space. Um, and this is the episode, Nathan, where we see the silver psycho show up.
1: Yes. Cause that was when cause TJ figures. I was like, it comes up with the brilliant idea. I was Like, okay, they're always going after the, their counterpart color. Let's mm-hmm. mix it up. Because sure. early on in their first appearance, they, uh, they put their hands on the Rangers and basically drain their knowledge so they know all their moves and what they're going to do. They can anticipate everything that they do.
0: So TJ says... They're essentially in a looser way, maybe linked to the Rangers.
1: Yeah. So he, TJ says, let's mix it up. Fight different colors. They won't be able to anticipate nearly as well. So they try that. Doesn't go very well. Or TJ nearly gets killed. And one of
0: the oh. uh,
1: that's some TJ. of the most severe damage he suffers.
0: T- <laughs> Take- yeah. TJ's ass gets handed to him. I'll oh,
1: good Lord. And he, I'm surprised he didn't lose an arm with that axe. But uh, so he so then they said, I got a better idea. Let's all be blue. So they won't mm-hmm. know which of us is which. And it drives the psychos crazy. If you're a kid watching, really just any audience member, you're just like, ha-ha, take that. You know? <laughs> now you can't figure it out. <laughs> so that was pretty great. And it also, uh, we'll talk about it a bit in the awards, but there's a really stand-up. My favorite episode in that particular arc is, uh, what is that? Silence is Golden. And we'll talk about that one. That one was brilliant.
0: I believe the episode that you're thinking of, Nathan, uh, where that happens is five of a kind.
1: Yes. Yes. And yeah, the psychos are, that is a pretty epic run in this. And then the funny thing is the psychos disappear for a couple episodes. Then they come back. (laughs) You can't keep some good villains down because they're ghosts. Kind of. Yeah. And then they get. And then Astronema's plot of the week involves a digitizing device and she turns people into, dig- into digi-cards. And then the funny thing is, Astronema turned the rangers into data cards, but the psychos' egos must be slaked. <laughs> Astronomer had won, okay? She won. But the psychos are like, no, we get to kill them. So they get the data cards and-
0: and and restore them to normal, just so they can kill them. But here's the question, though. Here's the question: Why, why didn't they just destroy the data cards?
1: I know. That's why. That's how crazy these the psychos are. They are so single-mindedly obsessed that they're like, we have to kill them.
0: <laughs> we have to physically put our hands on a ranger and kill them.
1: Yes. Okay. <laughs> So they are undone by their own hubris, which I kind of love. So I like the Zords this time. There oh, we I have love fewer them. of them compared to previous seasons, but I think that's better.
0: I love the Zords. Um I love the Zords, honestly, in this. I love the uh the Astro Megazord. It's simply designed. There's it's mm. not necessarily a what we would know as a combining Megazord. Nope, it's there, just
1: a, the ship and it transforms.
0: But the, I love the Astro Megaship. It's great. I, I love the way it's designed. It's probably one of my favorite outside of like the Dino Megazord or the Tiger Zord in Warrior Mode. It, it's it's one of my favorite Zord designs mm. because it is so understated, but it effective. Mm hmm. Although one does wonder how
1: Zordon anticipated a space shuttle needing to be built and then combined with a spaceship.
0: We don't overthink it, Nathan.
1: Yes, I know. But unfortunately some people have and I'm like, "Don't take this from me."
0: <laughs> so the Delta Megazord.
1: <laughs> yeah, so yeah. So the Delta Megazord, which is another transforming Zord, it seems to right. be relatively autonomous and it definitely was made in the 90s because big guns. <laughs> Oh, yeah. are yes. not now. They're not comically huge, but he's like, guess what? My hands are Gatling guns.
0: <laughs> yeah, it operates under the same principle as the Dragon Zord, where the Dragon Zord's fingers could launch missiles. So can the Delta Megazord.
1: No, no, they, they're just Gatling guns. They're just. Whatever. He has machine yeah. guns for hands, I basically,
0: just... and so when they combine into the Astro Delta Megazord, it makes probably one of my favorite Zord combinations. Um. Because then you could then also one of the attack, one of the like finishing moves that that Zord has, it can fire fists like rockets. Yeah,
1: I called it the Tron fist because that's one of those points where the where the theme of Mega Ranger seeps through a little bit. (laughs) That and how Andros has to make it happen by moving a joystick around.
0: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that was pretty cool, and then we actually get to some Zords that they don't change the name from the Sentai, mostly because the branding is right there in English. <laughs> I was going to so say, hide it. I was
0: going to say, like, why would they change the name when, like, when when the name of the Zord is right there on the dashboard?
1: Yeah, and this is before the days of of a digital alteration to film. <laughs> right. So the the Mega Voyager, which is a Combiner, so they get back to that. They all look a little bit different but in yeah but the only time we ever see them do anything we don't usually see them do anything on their own unfortunately the humanoid one that andros has does a little bit on its own although i got to admit the sequence of when they're flying through space and the ro- the robot is riding the rocket like it's a it's surfboard. surfboard
0: yes it's <laughs> corny
1: and cheesy and epic and i kind of love it
0: I love the, I like the design of the mega voyager, uh, as far as like combining zords go, it's, it's really, it's well-designed. I'm not the biggest fan of, of how, of its primary like finishing move attack where it shoots the, it it shoots the mega V. I think it's like mega V2, the rocket, I think, um, where it shoots the rocket as its finishing maneuver. I'm not a big fan of that. I wish it would have come up with something a little bit more creative, but it's fine. I like the design of the mega Voyager. You know, it's, it it adds, it adds another, um, impressive Zord to their roster. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then Zane has his own Zord, which was apparently built by the rebels. Cause yeah. it just shows up. He just, show, he has a bad, a bad or good habit, depending on what we look at it, of just showing up when they need him. Yeah. <laughs> and so we have the mega winger, which again,
0: The branding is right there. You can't get around it. It's still like the, the benefit to that though, is they actually are good names for these Zords.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're not crazy. Weird ones. We're like, (laughs) it
0: just just shows me, honestly, it just shows me that, that mega ranger did so much, right. That the, that the, the, the crew that worked on power Rangers in space didn't have to do a whole lot to recontextualize some things.
1: Now we get to the meat and potatoes. Are you ready for this, listeners with attitude? I am about oh, to go full. I don't even tiled, know. I, I'm going to go full tilled English professor, on this now. I've you and
0: I have had this. Pri- you've had this, you and I have had this conversation privately, and. I don't even know if I'm still ready for it because there's just (laughs) a lot like there there. Let me just set this up. Nathan and I spent about, we about, we spent like three hours or so on the phone, just discussing the themes within in space. And although we don't have three hours to spend here, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of meat that he's about to share that we're about to talk about together. I should say um, about the, about the overarching themes within InSpace.
1: Yes. So class is in session. Let's do this. So the, the big theme of this season that I think encompasses everything is finding yourself, which I know sounds really trite. If you say it that way, I guess a simpler way to put it is that it's about identity, but I think it's specifically about finding your identity and with the more I think about this season and the more I see even some of the sillier campier things that show up in this, it all plays into that. And I think the E the most prominent one, which will, which will be the bulk of this part of the conversation is going to be astronomer. Mm-hmm. But even the other arcs going on for other characters, sure. you see it in there. First off the Rangers, This is the first season where the Rangers don't have a mentor. They are on their own. The closest thing they have to a mentor is Andros. And Mm -hmm. Andros is just a more advanced student. It's like you're a sophomore and he's a senior. He's just a little bit farther ahead. That's it. He even says, you're planetary Rangers. What do you know about space? The, you know, Because yeah. he has experience being out in outer space going to other planets. They don't. And so he kind of holds that against them a little bit at first. But then he learns to open up. So they're striking out on their own. They're trying to find their mentor. But they're on their own. And that can be a difficult thing for a lot of people. Because suddenly it's like, okay, you've learned all this. Now you have to go. You don't have a safety net anymore. Zordon mm-hmm. is not going to magically save you. Right you better hope that you're doing the right thing. So there, so you have that. And then if all the individual characters, a lot of their spotlight episodes play into that. We talked about Waspicable, who didn't want to be evil, and Cassie was advocating for him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So she deals with that. We have an episode where TJ loses his memory, and he has to get it back because he doesn't even remember who he is, so he has to reclaim his identity after he loses it.
0: So that's literally playing into the theme that we're talking
1: about. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Carlos is, you know, uh, shouldering some adult responsibilities, uh, working with that little girl. So he's kind of growing up a little bit. The episode where he meets Adam and he says, I can't be a Power Ranger anymore. I hurt one of my teammates. I shouldn't be a Ranger. And Adam tells him through making him do all of the exercising and the training that, you know, the running three miles around the lake and things like that. It's to get it in his head. No, you're still good enough to be a ranger. It's it kind of implicitly goes back to when Adam chose him as his replacement. We didn't talk about that in the uh, in the turbo episode where they went around and chose their replacements. Mm mm-hmm. I don't know, in rather conspicuous fashion, I might add, but whatever, it's turbo. (laughs) But, you know, so it's almost like, I like to think of it as Adam is reminding him, I chose you for a reason. You need to remember that. So he's reinforcing what he already knows. And Carlos, by the end of the episode, he learns to outwit uh, Liz Wizard, and he doesn't fall for the same trick again.
0: Yeah, I I think, and this is a sidebar because we didn't talk about it a whole lot. I really think that Carlos is one of the most understated members of this Ranger team. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot that he brings to the table. Like, and and he and I feel like Carlos gets a little bit overshadowed by like the romance between between Ashley and Andros, TJ being an already established uh, fan favorite and the leader of the of the Ranger team, and then even Cassie. I feel like has a lot going on with her character. I just feel Mm -hmm. like there was more to Carlos than what Mm -hmm. the show maybe even gave him credit for.
1: Mm -hmm. And then with Ashley, there's a whole episode that has (laughs) some intended and unintended foreshadowing plug for next episode. It's called, like, what was it? The Invasion of the Ranger Snatcher? Or something like, or something yeah, like it that? Like, it's a yeah, playoff yeah, it of Invasion yeah. of the Body Snatchers. Right, yeah. Because there's a body-switching body monster, and Astronema tells the monster to switch her and Ashley. Mm-hmm. So, D- astronomer's running around being a ranger. and there's even, She even has a line at the end of the episode where about how she didn't like being a ranger, or something like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So... You know, she. So they switch them. So Astronema looks like Ashley. So Tracy Lynn Cruz is playing Astronema. And then Melody Perkins is playing Ashley. But everyone thinks that you know, when it's Ashley, that's actually Astronema. So she has to reclaim her identity while Astronema is stealing an identity. An identity that she ends up embracing to a certain extent later because... They the Rangers make her a quote unquote honorary Power Ranger, and then in a bit of unintended foreshadowing, spoiler warning, she becomes a Power Ranger next season. She's the only villain who's ever done that.
0: <laughs> I just think that's interesting too. And this is something I think I texted you about this. Like she's technically there, she's called the Purple Ranger. Um because there was an her, unused
1: idea where they were going to make her a purple Power Ranger.
0: Yeah, they like her, her suit and her uniform that they give her mm-hmm. is purple. Uh-huh. It has purple accents. But the, the communicator that they give her clearly looks pink.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's a lot of interesting stuff there that you can unpack. So all the Rangers in some form or another are dealing with this whole idea of finding identity to a certain extent. But then, uh, and then you have a a really cheesy episode that seems straight out of like Mighty Morphin, like the early days of Mighty Morphin, the great evilizer. Oh, (laughs) that's about flip, basically zapping people and flipping a dip switch to change their alignment. Yeah. And then they, so that plays upon the idea as well. The psychos are in in a way stealing the identities of the rangers because they take all their knowledge they take their knowledge so they're like we know you better than you know yourselves and we're better than you we're better than you and but at the same time the psychos are other than their the the different accents and their colors they're completely uniform they have they're hollow they have no identity outside of their obsessions Mm
0: -hmm. oh boy that's um (laughs) huh that's oh boy that is you and i have, you and I have had these conversations about just fandom in general, yeah, but
1: outside of the outside <laughs> of their captain ahab obsessions, they are hollow, they have nothing it, you know That's and, a lot. and their facsimiles. they're facades uh-huh. of the rangers oh, uh the fact that the Rangers have to either swap which psycho they fight or make them all uh, make themselves all blue to hide their identity, to mask their identity, to mess with the psychos, that plays into it as well. Oh, uh, there, there's also a point where Psycho Red is, just says, I'm tired of listening to Astronema. I'm going to do what I want. And what I want is to kill the the Red Ranger at all costs. Because uh, she's manipulating them the whole time. The whole time. They're tools to her. That's all they are. Tools. That she can... You just string along and, if necessary, discard. The f- I mean, even the fact that at one point they were going to reveal the Phantom Ranger's identity. That plays into it, too. The Phantom Ranger, unfortunately, doesn't get his identity revealed. It Because w- we've already talked about a lot of the stuff that was in the finale for this, which was intended to be the series finale, not only for this show, but the whole franchise. Mm -hmm. But due to budget constraints, it got cut from three parts to two parts. And I do feel like it suffers a little bit. I love that finale, but good grief, especially in part one, does it move fast?
0: (laughs) Yeah, apart like you and I've had this conversation before that, that it does feel like they're trying to cram so much into that 2 parter yeah. that it would have benefited it would have definitely benefited from being extended out yeah. 3 part. And
1: one of the things that, that I think they filmed but ended up cutting was they revealed the the Phantom Rangers identity. And I think I think we talked about a little bit about how in the Boom Studios comics they just explain it by saying, "Oh yeah, he's an avatar of the Morphin Grid." Yeah which yeah. just feels a little underwhelming. I just looking- feel
0: that just feels cheap. I feel. like Yeah.
1: But here's what they were playing with in the show. I've got the Ranger wiki up here. Fans have had theories about who the Phantom Ranger is ranging from uh, ranging from him being the son of Zordon to him being Justin's father. <laughs> it's just crazy ideas. Now, Shooky Levi, I hope I said that name right. He's one of the producers on the show. His original pitch for the character was that he was an embodiment of the spirits of fallen Power Rangers from the past and called him a quote-unquote ghost robot. That... I like that idea. And that has been confirmed by Jackie Marchand and Tony Oliver.
0: That is a... That is... I wish we would have got that. That's what I wanted for the that's what I wanted for the Phantom Ranger because like I just feel like they were building and building and building towards something with that character but it never necessarily well, paid off.
1: Well, here's another one for you. According to Judd Lynn, they had another one in mind that they toyed with. Mm-hmm. They were going to make uh they were going to make him Billy.
0: Oh, that I don't think I'd read that one.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. They were going to make him Billy and say that Quote unquote, his man made phantom powers were limited, which is why Mm -hmm. he isn't on the show very much. And Billy created Ecliptor as a failed robot ranger experiment.
0: Interesting.
1: To quote, oh, to quote, in order to connect that mistake, he created the phantom ranger powers. When we're talking about playing into identity, so the mis- most mysterious character in the franchise so far, they would have explained him finally,
0: mm-hmm. and I think that would have been a really good like part two. I think that would have been a good part two to the to the uh, uh, to the finale. Yeah.
1: I honestly, I I really love the idea of him being the you know the the spirits of fallen rangers. I just really like that. Idea. Plus, I mean, I would have even name.
0: accepted. Honestly, I would have even accepted son of Zordon. Because Zordon was not always that floating head in a tube, but the big one we have to have—well, it's
1: two of them, but one in particular is Astronema, and to a lesser extent, Eclipter. The Astronema's entire shtick is she is trying to figure herself out. Yeah, we find out she was kidnapped as a child. And then we get into, I think I mentioned it earlier in this very long conversation with the whole nature versus nurture. In fact, I'm just going to, I'm just going to share it with you. It's kind of a thematic, it's, I'm previewing my award. I don't care because this is important. This is important. This is my winner for the Mad Libs award. And I'll read it again when we get there if, we, if I have to. But it's from a Clipter. And I feel like this is a thematic statement right here for this season. Because Astronema is having one of those moments where she is experiencing a bunch of doubt with everything that's been happening, you know, mm-hmm. cru- you know, crushing on Zane, finding out about Andros, all of this stuff, and he, he, she doesn't know what to do, and then he tries to give her some fatherly advice, and he says, "quote Although we are both evil, we are very different, Astronema. I am evil, built that way, every cubic centimeter, but you." You were born, not built, born to be good. It was only after years under my supervision that you rose to become evil. This identity that she has as astronomer was forced on her. It's not her. She was made to be that way. It goes completely against her nature. She's, mm-hmm. they, ma- they took that little girl and made her into someone else. Now, she's embraced that, but as soon as those cracks start getting poked Mm -hmm. in that identity, she doesn't know what to do with herself because she, all her life she's been told to be a certain way. She was groomed to be the princess of darkness, the princess of evil, eventually the queen of evil. She was groomed to be that way but it's not really her and you can see that visually. And I don't know if the filmmakers intended it to be this way. And a lot of, there were some people who have talked about astronomy and talked about this show and they don't bring it up. But then I read an article that pointed this out and I said, that is brilliant. And that is all of astronomers wild hair. Those are wigs, but good grief. How many of those does she have? It's like, she changes them every three episodes. It well, feels she needs, like
0: she needs them. She needs them because she's trying to find herself.
1: Yeah, but the reason she's changing it all the time is because she's trying to figure herself out. It's a visual representation Mm. of her search for identity. Yeah, That's why she's always changing it. And that's what a lot of people will do that when they're trying to figure themselves out. They'll just do something nuts like change their haircut, dye their hair, bleach it, or whatever, because they need something new. So she's constantly changing because she's trying to figure herself out.
0: Yeah, it's it's taking it's taking control. It is it's it's a way of her taking or this is this is for anyone actually going through this type of crisis, Um, but it's it's a way to take control of a situation you have real have no real control of.
1: Yeah. And what I think is interesting and uh, the way Ecliptor puts it, because that confirms he's a robot. He says, I was built to be this way. I was made to be this way. You were born. You're a person. You're biological. This was, you were not made to be this way. I was made this way, but then they try to force her to be that way. She, like I said, she was groomed from an early age because when we see her in the flashbacks, she's just an innocent little girl. And then she's made to be this way. And then, like I said, they start poking the cracks in there and she doesn't know what to do with herself. She's confused. It starts when she's in love with Zane. And then when she finds out about her brother, when she finds out about Andros, she's, complete and it's not an instant turn it takes multiple episodes of her wrestling with this it's not immediate and there is tension that is as thick as cake throughout the whole thing while because andros decides to take a risk and trust her brings her on the ship and the rest of the rangers are like what the frick are you doing man she tried to murder us yesterday, and you're bringing her on the ship? Well, she knows where Zordon is. You really think we can trust her? And then the, the scene that always gets to me is, and it's so understated. This, it doesn't feel like it belongs in Power Rangers. When they chain her up in engineering for the ship, and then Andros goes there, just says, well, here's some food for you. I don't know what you like, though. You know, because they they haven't seen each other in years. He's finally found his sister, and she's she doesn't even know what she likes. You know, <laughs> he doesn't know, and they just have this little conversation where she's like, "What were our parents like?" I wish it had gone on longer, but the, the you know the time constraints of twenty minute episodes just didn't allow for it. Yeah, uh, but it, so and then she she puts on she puts on the persona when she's addressing all the villains, she's like I've captured the power Rangers and she convinces them. And then we get down there and we think that she's betrayed the Rangers because they get accosted while they're going around. And it turns out that Zordon, that really wasn't Zordon. That was all a deception. And then at first you think she's just trying to save her hide at this point and say, Oh yeah, I brought the Rangers to you. So we think that she's betrayed them. And then she turns on the bad guys. And I like to think that maybe for a moment, she thought about just going back to astronomer, And then at the mm-hmm. last minute changed her mind. And then helped the Rangers. And that's when a Clipter you know, helps them out so they can escape. And then after all of this stuff, we get to an episode where she completely sheds the astronomer persona. And she becomes Corone again. Mm -hmm. She has fully embraced it. We saw a little bit of it, actually, I should say, when in the episode where she's crushing on Zane because she makes herself look human. And we get to see what she really looks like. She puts, so in a way, she's kind of putting on her real identity as a mask because she really wants to get with Zane. Yeah. And so we get to see what she really looks like. So it's really Melody Perkins. We see her real hair. It's shorter. It's natural blonde. And she's just a regular person. Yeah. Just a regular young woman.
0: And which Zane's makes,
1: none the wiser. He's taken with her, obviously.
0: Which makes it all the more tragic when she is stripped of that humanity. Yeah. When becoming the cyborg.
1: Yeah. Because that's what ends up happening. So we have this thing where she gets basically adopted into the Power Rangers. Say, you're an honorary Power Ranger now. Yeah. Again, unintentional foreshadowing. And then they're like, okay, we need to take care of what's going on. And she says, I can infiltrate the Dark Fortress. I know where everything is. And Andros is then going into full tail Big Brother mode. And he's like, I don't want to lose you again. Funny thing is, is he does. He anticipated, he knew, it was, he knew it was going to happen. And it happened. His worst fear happened. He loses his sister again. <laughs> and it's, she disguises herself. She puts on a red wig, which we hadn't seen before. And then she gets captured. We don't know what happened. We had seen that Darkonda and Dark Spectre were talking. And Darkonda says, basically says, I'm tired of all of these wavering loyalties I'm going to make sure it never happens again, and you're going to help me. And we see a Clipter get accosted and then put on a surgery table, and God only knows what Darkonda did to him. Also, Darkonda dressed like a doctor, which is both terrifying horrifying. and funny. It's horrifying. It's horrifying and kind of funny all at the same time. But welcome to Power Rangers. And then the next time we see him, he's got, he's got different parts on him. And he's completely loyal to Dark Spectre. Like, any growth that we saw in him was taken away. But then it's even worse because we have this slow reveal when Zane and Andros are running through the Dark uh, The Dark Fortress disguised as Quantron. So I'm like, how does that work? But anyway, you just go with it. It's very Star Wars. And then they come in, and in a scene that reminds me, <laughs> I am astronomer of Borg. Resistance is futile. <laughs> that joke is not original to me, unfortunately. But we see that she's a cyborg. And they even say she had chips planted in her brain that are suppressing her emotions. She has another identity thrust upon her, but this wasn't through a slow grooming process where she's raised to be evil. When she was born not to be evil. This is
0: forced on
1: her. This well, was even, surgically done to her. It's in a weird way, it's a violation.
0: Well, even even that, like when she was raised to be evil, she still has a choice. Yes. She still has a choice. All her all choices, all her choice was taken away from her when they accosted her mm-hmm. and turned her into a cyborg. And I don't want it.
1: And then her wig never changes for the next 10 episodes all the way, actually more than 10, all the way to the end of the show. She never changes that hair.
0: Yeah, it's, it becomes this short, blood red wig, which do we want to get into yeah. the symbolism there?
1: because yeah. uh, I learned about color theory, you know, color symbolism, when I, was, when I was a writing student. Now, admittedly, it can be different depending on context and culture and all that. But the one that I learned that I think is generally applicable is... Red means a couple of different things. It can mean passion, but it's passion in the the very, uh, very old uh, Latin understanding of the word, because passion is a Latin word. Mm-hmm. It's to love and to care to the point of suffering. So when we talk about the passion of the, of the Christ, you know, that movie, that's mm-hmm. a very Catholic thing, because the idea being that Jesus Christ loved the world so much that he suffered and died for it. So there's that. But, the other, but the, the other side of passion is that it can blind people. They are so enthralled with it that the, and so compelled by it that it's almost a madness. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I think is more pertinent to this is red. You hinted at it by calling it blood red. It's also representative of bloodshed and by extension, pain and suffering. Yeah. So we're seeing her. She is cold she is calculating she is mm-hmm. at least at first 100% loyal to dark uh, to dark specter but then we find out that she's plotting against him <laughs> you know, dark specter made so good of a uh, you know of a queen that she decided to replace him it's yeah. a very star wars sort of thing where darth vader at least at one point was thinking about replacing the emperor cuz that's how the sith work in star wars you know the the apprentice kills the master eventually but we're also told that the real corona is in there but it's buried under all of this so we have this new even colder persona she even looks paler i think they put makeup on her to make her look paler so it's almost like she's dead i
0: mean i i i don't i don't know I feel like I feel like this is a lot more than what casual Ranger fans bargain for, for a Power Rangers podcast.
1: <laughs> they should have expected it going in, though. This is yeah. me we're talking about here.
0: <laughs> true, true. But, you know, it's there's just like I said, there's just a lot to unpack. Yeah. And I yeah. I think there, I think that the astronomer character, like when you start to really dissect her as a character, and seeing her evolve and change over time it's just really well yeah. written it's just yeah, a really it well it is written.
1: and i just i can't imagine what the kids watching this the first time when they got to that point and all of that development for her is just stolen
0: mm-hmm.
1: stolen that must have been infuriating, and it just made things even more complicated, because I already said, you, but even before this, you're like, I don't want to root against Astronomy. Now you really don't want to root against Astronomy, because now she's just, she's another victim. She is genuinely a victim at this point. But what do you do? Do you keep believing, like Andros, that she can be saved? He ends up being right.
0: But here's the thing. There's no proof that he would have been right. There's no there's no redeemable proof that he could have been right. Yeah. He's just going he's going on blind faith.
1: Yeah, because he loves his sister that much. He has to he, he has to save his sister. That's how much he loves his sister. Yeah. And he doesn't waver from that even when the two of them fight and you want to talk about a fight with just ridiculously high stakes both universally and personally, good grief. He doesn't even want to fight her. She keeps Beating the snot out of him. And he still won't hit strike back unless he has to. Because he keeps trying to appeal to her. And we see flashes after Dark Spectre dies, where it's like, for a second, Corone comes back. But then it's gone again. The, the pacing of it is just so brilliantly done. And I just. I can't thank the writers and Melody Perkins and everybody who worked on it enough for what they did. Just the amount of depth and subtlety when you, when like I said at this point, we're used to bombastic and over the top, and I, and I I have nothing against that. I really don't. I like over the top villains as much as anybody. All right, you're talking to somebody who thinks that the best part of the 1994 Street Fighter movie is all Julia as M Bison because he is gloriously, gloriously ridiculous. Okay, but when I'm given something like this, I relish it even more because it just makes the writer and the literary nut in me incredibly happy. And this isn't a children's show. This is a ridiculous amount of nuance for a children's superhero show. Yeah, you don't expect it, and honestly. There have been there's been at least one time from what I have seen of the franchise after this where they get close, but they don't quite get there. And I, I think they'll get close again in a later season that I haven't seen yet. But at this point, as far as I care, Astronema has no equal. She is everything that you want in a good character. And then the fact that she also just happens to be a you know, a, a wonder played by a wonderful actress and a beautiful woman. That's just icing on the cake.
0: So you and I, I knew you and I would have a lot to talk about. There's a lot to unpack with this, but I think that you and I are both in agreement that power Rangers in space is more than just another power Rangers show. It is more than just a kid show. Mm-hmm. It is something to be, it is something that can be appreciated from a lot of different, uh perspectives and a lot of different angles and hopefully we have shown that to the listener uh with this episode so if you've not watched power rangers in space in a while go back and watch it after listening to this and hopefully you'll pick up on some stuff
1: yeah trust me you might even see some things that we didn't see the first time write in and tell us i'd love to hear it
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely 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 But Nathan, we actually, uh, need to get into our awards segment of the show. And if you're, and if you're new to the show, we like to give awards to celebrate moments in the, in a particular season, uh, just to have some fun and bring in some lightheartedness. So, Mm -hmm. and you totally
1: stole it from Henshin then my other show. I made it better.
0: Our first award is the power range of motion. Award and we give this award to the best stunt or fight scenes. So, okay, I am so crazy
1: and I love this season so much. I have a winner and a runner up for everything
0: because <laughs> there are so do.
1: many to pick from. Of course, you do. Oh, this is what this is a season I would def I would go through ep, one episode at a time for a podcast and I would lose my mind anyway.
0: <laughs> I'm going to, I for me, I'm going to give my power range of motion award to. Something we just talked about, which is the which is the the fight between uh, Andros and Astronema, there was just a lot there. There was a lot there to unpack, and there was just a lot of drama built up around that particular scene. And there's a lot of them, and I think it does so well of encapsulating the the drama and the conflict not just a not just physical conflict but emotional conflict within both of these characters
1: yeah it's character conflict that is that's how you can make an action sequence or an action story with you know with stakes beyond the surface You you can make it mean something this is it was very character driven And I like it. That was also my winner for the award. There was a lot to pick from. But once I got to that part of Countdown to Destruction, I'm just like, my gosh, this whole fight is just so loaded. It's not, if you'll you'll indulge me a little bit, it's not unlike the final duel between Luke and Vader in Return of the Jedi, where it's not just a duel. It's a very emotional, character-driven conflict. As well, again with a character trying to redeem the other.
0: Yeah, for sure, Mm -hmm. for sure. Now, Nathan, what is what is your runner-up? Because you and I both shared the same award. But let me—I'll go ahead and let you. What's your runner-up for this award? My
1: runner-up is the whole is the whole sequence where Cassie in Silence is Gold. I mentioned that was my favorite of the Psycho Ranger episodes. Well, Mm -hmm. the shtick with that one is that the psycho rangers have analyzed the rangers voices and can identify them by their voices so mm-hmm. if they speak they will know exactly where they are and they take on human guises which by the way the 3 that are doing that are playing the human forms of the psycho rangers those are the actual voice actors so they got to play the physical rangers on set too
0: our our next award is our ultra sfx zord award which we give to our favorite special effect. Now, for me personally, I'm going to go ahead and choose the Astro Mega Ship because uh-huh. like I like I said early on in the episode, it is it's a great looking suit and it's a great looking effect and it's actually a really solidly um it I would say it rivals like today's really good CGI and it's a practical effect. Mm-hmm. Like I just I really like the Astro Megaship They're, Like most of the Zord sequences in uh, in space are all really good, but since it is the first, since it is one of the since it is the most one of the more unique Megazords we've gotten from the franchise, I'm gonna have to go with uh, the Astro Mega Ship. Yeah, or Astro Megazord, I should say.
1: Yeah, my winner for this one is what I have termed Darkonda's Shin Godzilla laser. <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Which is when he does the when he turns into the big monster with one antler and there's this one scene. It's it's a shot only lasts for a few seconds where he starts firing a laser. I don't know if it's from his eyes cuz the camera is behind him. I don't know if it's from his eyes or his forehead or whatever, but it just goes out into the cityscape horizon and it hits the horizon and then he just Rotates his head around, you just see buildings all across the whole horizon just explode into flames. I'm like, mother trucker, this is 20 years before shit, Godzilla. What the heck? <laughs> <It's>...
0: <laughs> you want to talk about horrifying? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's that's it's terrifying, but I'm also curious, Nathan, what was your runner up? Because I don't have a runner up. No, my
1: one. runner up was the one from one of the Psycho Ranger episodes. Where they're just—they're all just shooting lightning bolts at the uh, at the Space Rangers, but it look—they all look like they're doing Hadokens from Street Fighter, so I just called it Psycho like, oh, Ken. <laughs> 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 <God>. <laughs>
0: So our next award is our more phenomenal Mad Libs award, and this goes to our favorite line or what we deem as our best or as the best line that kind of some that kind of summarizes uh, a portion of this series. So yeah, for me, I
1: always look for things that are either funny, profound, or ba. That's right. my
0: criteria. Right. So my award is going to go to it's an Ecliptor line, and it goes something a little like this when he's when he's addressing Darkonda. Um, it says my mind is strong and disciplined and your, and your mind is weak and it, your mind is weak and unfocused.
1: Yeah. This comes from when Darkonda tries to merge them again. And then, uh, the bond is broken. He's like, how did that happen? And it's basically a saying my mind is stronger than yours. So I willed it to not stick.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. So th- I think that's a good summation of the, um, of the Ecliptor character uh outside of outside of the the line that you that you'll give in just a minute i think that's one of them ecliptor has one of the more ecliptor has some of the more profound lines that i've heard from a tokusatsu villain in a long time
1: yeah yeah should i read that line again for
0: everybody even though i've already shared it sure it's a great line i like yeah. it so so go ahead
1: although we are both evil we are very different astronomer i am evil built that way Every cubic centimeter. But you, you were born, not built. Born to be good. It was only after years under my supervision that you rose to become evil.
0: Why do you sound like sweatpants guy? This entrance?
1: <laughs> you, you a-hole. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm no Lex
1: Lang, okay. I try. <laughs> Don't take this from me, anyway. And then I never use catchphrases as for winners because it's too obvious. But yeah. as my runner-up, we have we have a new morphing catchphrase, and I like it because it's kind of puntastic, because you can take it a couple different ways. And I legit looked it up. I was like, how did they actually write this? Because I have to know. Cause it's let's rock it. So is it like rocket like ship or is it rock like R O C K space I T like mm. let's rock this joint, you know, or something like that. And it's actually the spaceship, but I think you could take it as let's rock it. Like, you know, let's rock this joint
0: for our last award. It's our, I, I, I can't believe that happened. It's when Zordon dies
1: at the hand of Andros. I might add
0: yeah at the hand of andros it's it's a really it's a really emotional moment because andros obviously does not want to do it uh but for the good and of the, i don't think Zordon wants the,
1: to either because he's, but he's just like we have no other choice
0: basically yes like that's that's how like how else are you going to correct the mistakes and how else are yeah. you going because at this go- point
1: we have all of our heroes except I, I'm kind of wish that they had brought the original Rangers back for this, or at least just had them in, just people in suits or whatever. Cause mm-hmm. we saw the Aquatarian Rangers. We saw the blue Centurion, the Phantom Ranger, all mm-hmm. of these characters are coming back to fight all the villains across the universe, the gold Ranger, all of them. Yeah. You know, but they can't stop this. But anyway, so keep unpacking this, this, this is the end of the Zordon era. I mean, there's even a line where astronomer and I th- I feel like this was almost meta where she literally tells Zordon, this is the end of your era.
0: What's really interesting about that whole sequence is you see the Z-wave, which is called with the, Z- the Zordon wave, the good, the wave of good energy sweeping through the universe and over these planets that are waging war and some of our favorite characters get dusted and some of them get changed for the better, honestly. We we see the Z-wave hit Zed and uh, Zed and Rita and, and we discover that Rita's a looker. She is. In <laughs> fact, that's actually the, the ad, that is actually the actress who plays her in the series um but they change into into humans. Zed changes into this preppy middle-aged man and his first line to Rita after he's changed is, "Shall we dance?" <laughs> Going
1: um, back to that surreal wedding, <laughs>
0: Right. Right. So, which shows me that they were really in love this whole time, like we discussed in, I think we discussed that in our Mm -hmm. season three episode. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, you see other things like uh, Diva Talks gets changed as well. She changes into a good person. And she's not bad looking either. Oh, no, that actress is gorgeous herself. And because her and her line. good
1: grief is she tall. (laughs)
0: <laughs> very freakishly tall and her her only line is i'm beautiful
1: <laughs> and and it was another little kind of easter egg thrown in to imply that her and dimitri are sisters yeah it was it was
0: uh like we've talked about before like one of the most um one of the most under underutilized deaths in a in a series was ecliptor he deserves so much i really wish that they would have done so much more with his character during that well, portion of-
1: i might try doing something in my own little way about that you and i've had talks about that
0: yeah for sure um but you know astronoma is changed from being a cyborg into being oh, wait
1: no you're jumping ahead that's mine
0: <laughs> oh am i jumping ahead Oops, you're jumping sorry. ahead
1: unless you want to give your runner up
0: I'm going to give my runner. Okay. So I'll stop. I'll stop here and I'll give my runner up. My runner up is actually something we alluded to early on in the episode where, uh, let me, where astronomer has come to earth. She is demanding the humans turn the Rangers over. And we've already talked about it. Bulk and skull lead Mm -hmm. the resistance. I am
1: power Rangers.
0: (laughs) We're yeah. Essentially the, all the humans come forward and say, I'm a power Ranger. And it's, you know, obviously they're not power Rangers, but then you hear, no, we're the power Rangers. Yep. And, and it's, it's all of our, it's our cast of characters up on a building and they're, and they're revealing themselves to all these people and boy, and the, and the reaction <laughs> from bulk and skull is, um, is hilarious. I kinda like,
1: wish that that had been the original cast. I think it would have had a little bit more impact at that point.
0: I think it would have had a little bit more gravitas when, but the plan, the original plan was to bring the original cast back, but it just didn't work out that way. Mm -hmm. Um, and Vulcan skulls reaction is priceless. Like they're the power Rangers. Like, come on guys. Figured it out. (laughs) Come on guys. Really? Okay. But that was such an iconic moment for the franchise because the whole, like, we're not supposed to reveal our secret identities or else we'll lose our powers but then they reveal their secret identities and they morph. So, yep. okay. You know, it is what it is, but it's, it's a really, imp- it's a really important moment. Uh, okay.
1: The Here I'll no prize it. If they revealed the identities, they would lose the powers because Zordon would just take them away. Not because okay. it's magically tied to keeping a secret identity. So it's like, Oh, did you tell your brother, poof, you're not a ranger anymore. Just by, you know, that's just how the rules work. Now it's just like Zordon be like, Nope, broke the rules. <laughs> No more. That's my theory anyway. So here's mine. Oh, boy. Countdown to Destruction doesn't make a lot of big missteps in terms of storytelling other than the fact that they had to cram more into it. I guess it's just one of those things where it's just, like, it makes emotional sense, but it doesn't make any other kind of sense. Magic Tears. Ha! With no setup whatsoever so andros lands the dark fortress and he walks out carrying the dead body of his sister lays her down he cries on her and she magically becomes
0: corone WTH is this, <laughs> Nathan? It's there to pay off the story and you know give some emotional. I don't know. Cre- I, I release. Guess some, um, release. Catharsis. There. there. Can, yeah, there we go. Some uh, an emotional catharsis to the yeah. audience.
1: At least it's her brother's love that does it. So that was a little goofy, to say the uh, uh, honestly. Takes me out of it a little bit of like, really? In fact, you can actually hear me react to it live because I did a two-part watch-along episode with my friend Chris Oh, I forgot
0: about this, yeah.
1: Yeah, on the Film Vault and on his show, One Cross Radio. We did part one on his show, and then we did part two on mine, and you could hear me be like, really? (laughs) Really?
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i like to think that your opinion I, I like to think that your thoughts and feelings towards in space have evolved even since that episode
1: yeah yeah but i i would be this almost won. i'm gonna be honest with you this almost won. really the only reason it didn't is because one it's in the credits so it's a blooper but it's a blooper that went the extra mile and at least The magic tears gives me an opportunity to pay off some of the thematic stuff that we were talking about. And the only thing I can think of was this was just the dark specter voice actor just going completely off script. I don't even know what the context was. (laughs) <laughs> There's a credit sequence in an episode where he just suddenly turns into a, a commercial. He's just like, Astronomos, part of a completely evil breakfast. <laughs> and then they have a picture of astronomy, and it's the red-haired astronomer, and it's a it's Melody Perkins, and then suddenly her face morphs into a cereal box illustration with a cereal box and a little bowl with cereal and it says "Astronomos," and
0: i'm like what the heck is this i want it but what is this i bet i bet um i bet the uh i bet the i bet the behind the scenes i bet the the cast behind the scenes was having so much fun
1: i get it but i'm just like what it's it's one thing to just leave it as just like he just went off the wall okay recording for dark specter they went the extra mile and illustrated it (laughs) someone took the time to illustrate it but haim saban made a huge business decision by not making it real <laughs> Funko, I know you like making funny cereals now that are nerdtastic. Make me Astraminos, because I will buy it.
0: <laughs> That's that would be a deep cut. Yeah, that would be a very deep cut. Um, I have been so happy, and this is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but like I have been so happy with what the what Super Seven has been doing with their Ranger Ultimates line. They have so many deep cuts within those within those boxes. Um but that will be such a deep cut for Funko to do our Astronomo's cereal. (laughs) Part of a completely
1: evil. It's perfect for you. You know, Mr. Completely evil breakfast. I mean, mean, you do share a name with a Toku villain that I just, I just talked about on Henshin, then you bastard, which
0: (laughs) I actually, you're talking about Hikider, which I actually watched. Which I watched for the first time. Oh,
1: so do you do you do you approve of your Tokusatsu villain avatar?
0: <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. I'll 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 live with it. the evil angel robot (laughs) i'll leave it i'll live with it so yeah uh anyway that was that has been our awards listeners with attitude and nathan we've got one more segment to get into before we can call before we can wrap this up so nathan do you know what that segment is it's morphin time so this segment is where we give our final thoughts on a particular season of Power Rangers in one minute or less. So are you ready? Bring
1: it. All right. Let's rock it.
0: it. (laughs) You beat me to it. Damn it. Um, (laughs) So Power Rangers in space, in my opinion, is required watching if you are a Power Rangers fan. If you are one of those people that are saying that says to yourself, oh, Power Rangers is too campy and it's, it's too much of a kid show. Go back and watch Power Rangers in space after listening to this episode and tell us if you don't see these, if not more things to enjoy about Power Rangers in space. And that's all I got.
1: This is S tier Power Rangers. There's no way around it. This is almost too good to be Power Rangers. I, the show this saved the franchise and they've never at least in my estimation never quite gotten back to as as tall a peak as this.
0: Mm-hmm, for sure.
1: This is yeah. You you it doesn't get any better than this. It comes close from what I understand, but it never quite tops this. And after this epic episode, good sir, the funny thing is, is I might be able to continue some of this in our next episode, which is Power Rangers Lost Galaxy.
0: Power Rangers Lost Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> yep,
1: the first <laughs> post Zordon season. Yeah, this will be interesting. Is we'll have a, a lot. You want to talk about, I mean, if you thought that things changed a lot for in the previous seasons, Oh boy.
0: <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Like we are, we are about to embark on an all new adventure with the power Rangers.
1: A new set of Li- Rangers
0: literally and figuratively.
1: All righty then. And with that, I think now is as good a time as any to wrap up because, uh, Oh boys we went long.
0: <laughs> oh boy. I knew we would, but it's fine. Uh. Um,
1: And until next time, listeners with attitude, may you not get dusted by the Z-Wave. And may you always have
0: space for Power Rangers in space.
1: And may the power protect you.
0: Thank you for listening to The Power Trip, a podcast produced and hosted by Michael Hamilton and Nathan Marching. If you'd like to send us feedback, email us at powertrippod at gmail.com.
1: Follow us on Twitter where our handle is at thepowertrippod and join
0: our official Facebook group, Power Rangers Legacy. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other great podcasters. The podcast logo was designed by Rebecca Hudgens. Follow her on Instagram at super underscore r underscore illustrations.
1: Our theme songs are from the album Power of the Grid by Neil Stenson. We also use Galaxy Quest Instrumental by Heaven Wraith from the OC Remix album Jet Force Gemini Mizar Attacks. All film and audio clips belong to their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended or implied.
0: The Power Trip has no association with Saban Entertainment or Hasbro. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and or Podchaser to spread the word about the show. And until next time, see ya!